I had to wash my fidget toy. It was getting grimy. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. everybody to another episode of the motor mouth podcast podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello hello jeffrey bezos <laughs> you did it <laughs> two topics enter sanity left a long time ago i brought bo burnham's new special inside tim i have no fucking idea what you brought Huh, so th- this is kind of a, a thick topic. There's a lot of stuff here. I'm going to look at how I wrote it down just because there's, yeah, this is chunk. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I guess the, the way I kind of shortened it is conspiracy theories slash cults. Because, <laughs> because I watched, it within, over the last month or so, I watched the Behind the Curve documentary about the Flat Earthers. I watched Q Into the Storm. Um, about QAnon on HBO, and last night I, I uh, or a night or two ago I, I watched the um, on Netflix they have the Explained series. I watched the Cults Explained. So, so <laughs> it's, it's been a fun place in your brain of yeah. late. Jesus yeah. Christ! So, <laughs> so it's like as I'm kind of watching, like, and I and that was the thing when I watched just the flat Earther thing. I'm like, well, this isn't enough to bring as a whole topic. But then as I watched. Uh, the QAnon thing, and that's a six-part series, so that that one really gets under your skin. There's, it's, it's, it lives in you for a while, um, and then yeah, and the, the 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 cults explained. I was like, oh, let me see if there's any, you know, because I didn't, I forgot if there was a cults episode, and we've watched it before, but I was like, yeah, that'll help kind of round this out. Um, so yeah, so whatever you want to call that topic, I, I mean, I like the conspiracy theories slash cults because I guess that gives you a sense of where I stand with the idea of conspiracy theories. Well, I recently we rewatched the uh, the uh, Unabomber Netflix series, so I'll oh. I'll throw that in there too. Yeah, nice. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just pile it on. <laughs> uh, postal bombers and their manifestos against modern technology. <laughs> Wow, we have we have quite the the double stuffed episode. Yeah, this is this one's going to be intense. <laughs> I almost want to. We should. We I don't know. We should end on we, Bo Burnham. I think. I think the or like okay. our, our typical order because it's going to break us in a different way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. That, yeah. Maybe that makes sense because I feel like you know without giving too much away, I feel like there is kind of a ray of hope a little bit with the Bo Burnham thing. You know, it's yeah. not as completely, not not as completely dark as the other stuff. <laughs> not as factually dark. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know how to approach this. So, like, uh, uh, why don't, why yeah. don't we give a little back, like, what do we think of conspiracy theories, what, in, in, in just kind of a general sense? Okay, well, when I was younger, I think I was a little more prone to believing them, I think because, 
there was so much more mystery to them, I guess, because, you know, the, the, the internet wasn't what it was today, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and it was there, but it wasn't, we weren't as programmed to just like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Let me check the internet. You know, it was kind of like this thing that was like, Oh yeah, that's right. We have the internet. Let me, let me maybe look into that. Let me maybe go down a rabbit hole, but like, um, you know, and there, there wasn't as much content at that point, you know, um, plus like a lot of, you know, with, with, with some of these there, they are more recent. So those weren't there. Um, I, to, to, to be honest, I was one of the people who, and I don't, I don't disbelieve this now, but I just sort of like, I guess, acknowledge that I had no, no real reason for this, but I was one of the people who thought that George Bush was behind nine 11 or at least involved somehow, However much of that is, you know, conspiracy theory or, you know, but um, maybe it was just sort of my own desire, which which I do think kind of funny, too, is because a lot of the conspiracy theories we see now, I feel, are like against the left. Whereas at that time, you know, I was definitely like, I guess, prone to ones that were against the right. Like, oh, yeah, you know, fuck Bush. Of course, if there's a conspiracy theory that says he was involved in this this tragedy, like it's probably true, you know. Um, Wasn't there something to like some theory that he was part of a certain cult that his dad was into maybe um, i'm just basing this on what I mean, maybe, kids you know yeah maybe the, the, the cult of you know rich old white men you know that part of it where it's like you know it, it's kind of like for example like when people talk about the illuminati like i don't believe in the illuminati like i don't actively think there's this secret organization but if i ever found out there was it's like well yeah that makes sense you know i, I wouldn't so, be surprised you know i'm not I don't think it's secret. We know, like, if the people who run the world are the billionaires that we know who run the world. There, there's, right. I don't. Well, think I guess that's that part of it. Is there is there a society behind that who's pulling the strings of the the, yeah. the rich people? You know, which we've you know, already which, gotten again, to a great place. I'm I'm all right, for yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the thing is like I think I think with me it's more just like as I've gotten older, it's just like you know what there's there's there could be all these things going on that we may or may not know about and how much does it actually like actively affect my day-to-day life. And, and I feel like I could waste so much time speculating about these things. And I think what's really helpful too, is when you know, someone who, who kind of has theories of their own and you're like, Oh shit, is that what I sound like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, so that kind of, you know, and you know, that plus I think with, um, you know, and this kind of ties into the new age stuff a little bit, not that those are conspiracy theories per se, but I feel like it's, it's some of the same sort of thinking, you know, like, uh, like with any sort of, you know, mystical or, you know, or, or alien type stuff like that, you know, like ancient aliens. And you know, I've never watched that show, but it's always just kind of like, okay, I feel like if I start watching this, there's a little part of my brain that, that hopes this is true. And I don't want that <laughs> part to latch way. on to this and be like, yeah, it was all aliens. Cause I'll be like, no, fuck you, man. I don't want to become that guy. <laughs> I, watched, like, I watched a clip of ancient aliens once and the stuff that they talked about, I think about maybe once a week since, and this has been mm-hmm. like seven years since right. I'm like, <laughs> I want to believe. <laughs> like... Well, you know, and and, and that's part of it too, is like, you know, well, you know, with that, the, the whole, I want to believe, you know, that being sort of like one of the taglines for X-Files. Right. But, but a big part of that was that, you know, Mulder's sister was abducted when he was a kid. So, mm-hmm. so he has at least this experience that's kind of tying him to this and whether, you know, and I forget where the show landed on that. I mean, I'm pretty sure aliens were actually involved in the show. It wasn't a conspiracy theory, you know, that, that, that was there. 
Um, but it was based on like an experience. And like, for me, like there, there's no sort of, uh, experiential reason for me to believe any of this stuff, you know, like, um, it's, it's more just, yeah, it's like, Oh, I, I wish this was true. You know? And I think, I think a lot of it also comes from, you know, that, that disillusionment of, you know, there were so many things I believed when I was a kid that, you know, as I was growing up, I wanted to hang on to some of them. And I'm not talking about religious beliefs. I'm talking about things like, you know, maybe one day the X-Men will be true. Maybe one day we'll develop superpowers or this, that, and the other thing. And like, yeah, no, that, that shit's never going to happen. Like we're just, you know, just normal ass humans and we suck, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's what you get. That's what it is. That's all it is. You know, like X-Men isn't something that's going to happen. It's just a metaphor for people who are fucking shitty against other people who are different from them. That's all it's ever going to be. It's never going to be about superpowers, you know? Um, so that when other things like this pop up and it's like, yeah, no, fuck you. You got me when I was younger thinking that, you know, oh yeah, people could develop superpowers. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I, I was, I was heartbroken when I realized the truth about, you know, if you want to call that, I mean, it's not a conspiracy theory that like, oh, someday we'll develop superpowers like the X-Men, you know, it's, you know, it, it was something I wanted to believe in that I had to face the facts that it's not true as I grow, grew up. So it's like, I'm not going to jump onto someone else's bandwagon about their stupid beliefs, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, so maybe that's part of it too, you know, just that, just that overall disillusionment. Um, but um, but again, you know, I still, I still try to hold to the idea of, you know, just because I don't think something is true doesn't mean it's not true. Um, you know, and I, I've kind of thought this way about the whole, you know, idea about, um, you know, now I kind of consider myself more agnostic, you know, that sense of like, maybe there's a God, maybe there isn't, we can't know, mm -hmm. as opposed to being an atheist who, who, you know, who, who kind of, you know, believe and think with the same fervor that people who believe in God believe, right. that, you know, that there is no God, but it's like, but you also have no proof. Like, you know, your, your system is still as much of a belief as the people who believe in God, you know? Um, so I try to not get in that camp of like, you know, I, I, I'm sure of this and I'm sure of not that it's like, I, I don't fucking know. Like, you know, if there's evidence, we'll talk, you know, sure. You know, mm -hmm. but like, you know, I, um, yeah, I try to stay away from believing stuff, which is kind of sad in a way, but it's also <laughs> kind of liberating. Like you don't have to hold yourself down and lock yourself in to like, cause I feel like beliefs tend to come with this sense of being unchanging, you know? Um, you know, it's usually when people find out that their beliefs are, are, are wrong, that it can really be a shock to your system. Maybe that was it. Maybe kind of realizing that like, yeah, like a belief is just a personal thing. It's not a, it doesn't make it real, which is, I think what a lot of people, how a lot of people view the idea of belief, you know, um, yeah. or like... to think they're better than other people because of their beliefs, you know, well, I believe in this, which is this thing. And it's just like, good for you. You know, it's like, I like the color green. That doesn't make me better than anyone because of what, what my favorite color is, you know, like, uh, but what are I you don't say? know if it's in, in response to my upbringing as in a conservative household with, Fox News on all the mm -hmm. time and Bill O'Reilly on all the time. And then the the shift to liberal political views and learning, mm -hmm. going to college, understanding debt and how how tax money is used and how it's not the evil that the Republicans tell me right. it is. That, so mm -hmm. I, I think to a certain extent, my... I, I, I'm of two minds about conspiracy theories. One is I'm very leery of them because I'm 
I'm very much, hey, I got new information. I can live my life based on that. Like, I'm very willing. I mean, you, you've seen it happen in real time a million times on this podcast or the the other one that we do. It's like somebody has an opinion. I'm like, oh, that works. Let's go with that. Like, I, I am very amenable and flexible. And I, I I have a worry that if something is presented to me in the right way, that I'll believe it for a long time. And that will like, it will be to my detriment. I will be gullible in that sense. I I like to think of myself as flexible, not gullible, Mm. but, and so there's, there's that part of me that's really kind of leery. And there's the other part of me that's kind of fascinated and, and kind of intellectually stimulated by, well, what if Mm. I I think the, the thing that caps in China, (laughs) Ty and I have argued a lot about this one because I, there, there's something to be said about I conspiracy theories and giving them um, fuel, like giving them any kind of ounce of credibility is dangerous, can be dangerous with these specific either like QAnon is a big example of it, mm. giving any kind of light to those ideas can manipulate people to violence and damage. And, and that stuff is really bad. Like that, that stuff is what you want to avoid. But in my head, the moon landing being faked is so funny to me. (laughs) And so intellectually interesting to me, like what if we could have done that? What if, what if we, we went, we didn't go the first time. What if the landing on it was faked? How, how, what an interesting world we would live in if we faked that on that scale and kept it like out, outwardly looking legitimate for as long as we have. Like, I like that idea. Cold War, a lot of weird stuff happened. <laughs> so, like, for me to think of, like, oh, we got, um, uh, what's his name? Kubrick on on a, a government lot and they shot a moon landing like roswell like that is intellectually stimulating and fun to to live in that imaginary world like but that's about as much as i interact with them it's like oh how funny it would be oh how interesting it would be mm-hmm. but in, in terms of like believing that it's the case that's that's where it, it shuts off for me um well, also, I feel like with that one, that's an interesting one, too, because it doesn't hurt like anybody. That's, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's not like Sandy Hook, like the, the that's I don't know if that's QAnon, but like the 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 right wing in insanity that they think that that was staged right. and not real is is hugely damaging. If we mm-hmm. fake the moon landing, we averted a nuclear war and we got some cool footage out of it, like. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, just like the the idea that like America has to be the first one on the moon, you know, that being if if that was, you know, again, like if we found out, oh, there is proof the moon landing was faked, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm like, yeah, that seems like something America would do to me. I guess I guess I view that as as like a metaphor for the mentality of America. You know, we need to be first. So even if we have to fake it, 
<laughs> to be able to tell everyone we actually did it, we're going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what, we're going to go down in the history books as being the first ones to America. And that's kind of how I see that is like, you know, and, and, you know, if, if I play in that world of what if the moon landing was fake, that's, that's where my brain goes is it's not, it's not so much that it's like, um, yeah, I guess it's, 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 it's a meta, it's a metaphor for America. You right. know, we have to be first and best, even if we're lying about it, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that, that's the mentality that's kind of like, you know, cycled through everything that's happened since then, you know? Right. Um, and that, and that's why it wouldn't surprise me, you know, not, not the idea of, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what other way it would have surprised me, you know, or just, just the fact of it, like, Oh, it's, we did it. And we, we kept it a secret all these years. It's like, sure. I'm like, there's probably plenty of shit that's been a secret all these years that people know about, um, you know, again, you know, if you want to get into things like, you know, who shot JFK, you know, like, like all those things, like, like, I'm sure that, you know, that we've been fed one story, but it's something else, you know, because I'm sure that, you know, there are, I guess that's one way of looking at it. I'm sure that there are truths in this world and in this country that the the people who are highest up know, and they're completely straight out lying to us, you know, um, we don't even need to go that far. I mean, the the conversation about race in america mm, yeah that's a huge gaslighting in, right. in terms of what what yeah there's what no racism taught. anymore we right. fixed racism yeah. weren't you there remember post-racial lie of basically the 90s and the early 2000s of like right. everybody's hunky-dory this isn't happening meanwhile right. we're <laughs> turning a blind eye to an oppressive police force in every state in america like and microaggressively being racially insensitive in every form of media in those 20 years. And I'm being for the 300 years, right? Like, like, and I think that's, that's kind of the gray area and the problem with um, debunking these or telling people that people aren't telling you the wrong thing because the government does this, the, like the structures in place, that say, hey, here's happy, shiny America, we're the best. I mean, it, what is that from the newsroom, that whole speech that uh, uh, Daniels oh, gave? Jeff Daniels, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, what a we're, way to start a series, fuck. <laughs> I keep forgetting that that's the first part of that series. I, yeah. I, every time I watch it, it feels like a season finale. Like, just we're, we're eighth in this, we're sixth in that. We, we have the, the highest obesity, highest diabetes. Like we're, where we're leading things is mass shootings and, mm-hmm. and people overweight and unhealthy and, and incarcerated people. Like those things, like the, the prison industrial complex, like all of these structures, government supported and, I mean, you watch uh, Making a Murderer, you see kind of corrupt police fucking people up and it, it's it's not on the, the scale of hey we we pretended that we went to the moon in terms mm-hmm. of like a a big show for the world but in terms well i mean i guess that is like america being the freest best all of these things that's something that everybody's selling and not really looking at what's underneath it so sorry i it <laughs> i don't know where any of that thought is going but the idea that uh to to doubt and to question authority is a human instinct it has to be like we have to investigate and we have to not take everything at face value and even more so in the last 10 15 years as as we're 
being made aware and learning what we should have been learning this whole time. I, I think that's, that's an important part of it. And, and I think for me too, like with the, uh, like, yeah, there's almost a part of me that wishes that there was proof that the moon landing didn't happen. Cause then maybe it would take, and I, I, I was, was going to say, take America down a peg and it's not America. It's, it's the people Baby boomers who, America. who have, right. The people who have a hard on for this mythological idea of what America is, mm-hmm. you know, taking, taking them down a peg, you know, however, what would scare me about that is I feel like pulling at that thread, you know, as it is, science is not trusted by probably a lot of those same people. So, and a lot of the evidence is like, look at these pictures taken from space. Right. So if you, if you were to prove that the moon landing didn't happen, that, that strengthens their argument right. that all those pictures from space, those are also fake. So the earth is flat. Ha ha. Fuck you. You know, and it's like, um, that's also, that's an important distinction. I, I think that's important to the discussion of conspiracy theories is that they can't all, they can't be looked at in, in a vacuum. Right. They're all potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, I think John Oliver had done a segment on conspiracy theories and like the amount of orchestration that would be necessary to validate, validate them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's astronomical. The amount of people who would have to kept their mouths shut for the moon landing to be fake is, is unfathomable. Right. Everybody in every step of that would have had to been tight lipped all the time. Like not yeah. like for 60 years where, where to next <laughs> guide me. Cause so, you, you've okay. watched the yeah. material I have, right. I have preconceived notion. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. toss out your preconceived notions about conspiracy theories. This right. is the one for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and, that was kind of the um, shoot. I had a, I had a transition from earlier. Sorry. Well, no, I think so. Well, I and I think I just the I guess yeah I guess the idea of, of that kind of how that ties into you know again the first thing I watched which was the behind the curve, the the flat earther one. Um, so you know the idea that I think they even had was it I can't remember if it was Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin, uh, like being interviewed in that documentary, be like you know. <laughs> You know, just to kind of get that, like, oh, here, you've been to the moon. You've looked at the Earth from space. What do you have to say about this? You know, just to kind of just feel like, like what what the hell? Like, I, <laughs> you know, I see with my own eyes, the world is not flat, you know. And Also, like, um, be, even before they left the atmosphere, like, they, they saw a curvature of the Earth going, like, they they orbited before they ever went to the moon. In order oh, right, to orbit, yeah. it has to be round. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Well, and it's, it's just, it's, it's funny too. Cause like, and I, I went into it, I was nervous going into it. Cause it's like, I don't know what perspective this documentary is coming from, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and very quickly I, my, I was, I was put at ease. Cause it's just like, Oh, okay. You know, this um, is making fun of them. Cause yeah. it's the dumbest one. Right. <laughs> and part of what, there was one thing where they're talking about this, this one guy who, who's kind of the leader and he's one of the, one of the people who, had you know put a bunch of the youtube videos out there that were kind of the the rallying for other people you know it was inspiring them and that you know they watched it and were like yeah yeah what about this and ask these questions and and he was talking one point about like flights in the southern hemisphere and he's like yeah there you know i was watching i watched for like a night there are no flights in the southern hemisphere you know because it's like you know if the earth is flat basically you can't fly 
you know, from, from here to there, cause they're on opposite ends of this like plane that they're kind of believing. And then they, they quickly show this other woman who's like, look, you can look up, you can disprove this so easily. You look online, look, there's a, there's a flight in the Southern hemisphere. There's a slight <laughs> flight in this, you know, and it's just like, so what was, you know, and, um, one of my favorite scenes was, um, they had gone to, to NASA and they're basically kind of making, you know, cause their whole big thing is NASA lies because NASA is one of our biggest sources of information about the earth being round. So they're like NASA lies. And so they go to NASA and they're talking about how like, Oh, look at how, you know, shitty all this stuff is. There was this like interactive thing where you sit in a seat and you're looking up at a TV screen and it's like, press start to begin. And he's like, Oh, I'm pressing start and nothing's happening. Oh, you know, see, you know, NASA, blah, blah. blah. And, and he gets up and walks away and the camera f- like watches him walks away. Then it looks down and in between the two seats was a big green start. button, <laughs> <laughs> And it was just like, it, it's not a touch screen. You're supposed to push the start button. So it's not broken. You just didn't see this giant green start button right next to you. you know. um, it's fascinating to me. Like, another part of this is is kind of put it like the bubble aspect right like the internet allows us to create a very insulated bubble in like here's the information i like i don't want to mm-hmm. see anything else but it's always fascinating to me that when you're in an environment that is not the internet you're physically at nasa and you're physically ignoring push mm-hmm. this button like yeah. how i I I understand if 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 all the information that is is going through your your filter, right? I understand you kind of having uh, inaccurate information on which you base your beliefs and defending those strongly because it makes you feel uncomfortable to think anything else. I I empathize with that. But when you are actually looking at something in real time mm-hmm. with your own eyes, that's where that shit has to fall apart or what's the fucking point? Like what, why are you living anyway? Sorry. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost like, it must be an example of just how, how they view the world, you know, like they've trained themselves to not see anything that goes against their belief. Like, Oh, NASA is a piece of shit. See, I'm pressing this thing and it's not working. It can't be that I'm pressing the wrong thing. It has to be something fucked up with NASA. So I'm going to, you know, and that's the thing is like, they had to walk over to this thing to sit down in it, you know? And it's like, how, how did you not see? I mean, maybe you saw it beforehand, but there's going to be some part of your brain that either goes, oh, wait, didn't I see a start button when I walked over here? Or be like, no, no, forget that. Because then that, that shows that NASA actually does have their shit together, you know. Um, and uh, and, and it, it was weird, too. In that documentary, there were people who were doing experiments to try to prove the Earth was flat. And they would do the experiment and be like, oh, well, if the Earth is round, then this is going to happen. They would do the experiment. Oh, the, yeah, this thing happened. So, okay. Like there was something, they had something that was measuring. I forget how it measured, but it was basically like, oh, if the earth is moving, you know, turning 360 degrees a day, that means in an hour it has to move 15 degrees. So we're going to use this. I think it was like some sort of um, uh, gyroscope thing. And it's like, if, so if the earth is moving within an hour, if we do a measurement, it should register that the earth moved 15 degrees, but it won't because it's not turning. And then sure enough, it registered that it had moved 15 degrees. And they're like, well, it must be reading the radiation from the sky because the sky is moving around us. So we're going to do put it in this thing and that's going to shut it off. And, and it's just like they kept like getting the results being like the earth is turning. And they're like, no, there's got to be some way around this, you know. Um, and then uh, it, it, it kind of ends with them doing this experiment where what is it? They were saying like if they set up these these things at like sort of three points far away and you shoot a laser from point A 
you know, through point B to point C, you know, with earth being flat, they should all hit that point, like at the exact same height off the ground. But if there's a curvature, that means if you're shooting, you know, from point A to B, you know, and it's the same height in order for the laser to hit whatever it should have to be like, you know, higher. And he even said, he's like, you know, so, so so-and-so is going to be over here holding this mirror, you know, at his chest, which is the height we have it here. Now, if the earth is round, he's going to have to hold it over his head for blah, blah, blah. So like they show him looking and he's like, yeah, I can't see where the, the mirror, where the laser is hitting. Okay. Hold it up over your head. And all of a sudden you see the light shining. He's like, oh man. <laughs> and that's how the thing ends. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> So, so it's, and it's funny that like they're doing, and I, they, they were actually at a party where they were talking about doing some of those experiments and they're like, oh yeah, but you know, if any of the results of these get out, you know, we're going to be in trouble. So like, don't tell anyone about these, you know? And it's like, so not even just like lying to themselves, like acknowledging, but, but thinking, oh, but for the sake of the movement, we have to keep these results under wraps. Otherwise it's going to, you know, disprove this whole thing. My question with the flat earthers is what, what benefit is there to lying to ordinary people about the earth being round? What, what, what possible manipulation can be done saying that the world is round? Right. I, I don't like, I, I understand what wanting, wanting to investigate something and being believing in a conspiracy theory because you think it's hurting people. Right. But what, like, why lie? <laughs> What, what what does that right. gain yeah. you? What is Na- yeah, NASA no. doesn't make any money? That's why they haven't gone back to space is because they've been underfunded <laughs> since we got there, and they haven't done like they don't know how to get back. <laughs> like technology advanced, like they got defunded after a certain point, and then the technology has just in- increased so much that we're not. I mean, we've got a space force now. Oh dear, yeah, yeah, it's like. I don't know. I mean, I think it's did just... It, did it go into that at all in the documentary about what what was so malicious about that, if that if it was true? I think, you know, like a lot of stuff, I think it's just the, the desire to be, to confirm the idea that the liberal mainstream media is lying to all of us, you know? Okay. Like, that. That's that. that's what kind of one of the underpinning things of a lot of this stuff is, is like, you know, it's like, you know, or, or like what you're taught in school and 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 it's interesting too because i don't know how much of it like they didn't get into any sort of religious aspect to it but i know that that's some sometimes what what is what's butting heads you know like you know the bible says that you know the world was created in 7 days science says you know dinosaurs and evolution so okay science must be evil and it's the devil trying to mislead us like like that part i get because it's kind of like okay if you're a religious person and your religious beliefs are telling you this one thing and science is contradicting that you've got to disbelieve science. Otherwise you're going to hell. Um, and they didn't get into like with a lot, like how many of the flat earthers were also like religious and also had, you know, had other reasons to distrust the media and science mm-hmm. and, you know, experimentation and technology and all this stuff. So it's a baby um, bathwater situation. If they're lying to us about the fact that the earth is round, we don't have to listen to them about global warming or right yeah that, that could be part of it too yeah systemic racism like if if the data from this this learned source is found to be false the entire foundation of liberal elitism is, is crumbling right because we like to point at facts i i guess that would be yeah. 
Well, that was one of the lines too. They said, you know, it's like, you know, science wants to throw math at us, but it's like, just look out the window and you can see. And it's like, okay. Like, first of all, science like went to space and physically looked at the earth from space. (laughs) It's not, it's not just like standing here and kind of, theorizing anymore. I mean, you know, back in the day, I think that was a lot of, you know, what we had to do and why we broke away from, you know, the earth centered view of the universe. You know Um, I think it probably had to be a lot of observation at that point, like watching the, you know, I mean, yeah, that was, that was part of it. Right. When we realized it was heliocentric was like watching how the planets move. And it's like, wait a minute, this isn't us staying still. This is how this is mapped out. So that's the thing. Like Galileo, Galileo was looking outside and seeing that it doesn't make sense for it right, to yeah, be well, black. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is yeah, it's like just look, and it's like yeah, that's that's, that's what, what we observation <laughs> and experimentation is. Like, what what do you think it is? You know, and it's like, um, and like a lot of his argument at the beginning was he was I forget where he was exactly, but he was like looking out and he could see Seattle from where he was. He's like, if the Earth is round, I shouldn't be able to see Seattle, and it's like how round do you think it is? Like, you know, you kind of drew in the sand, like, oh, look, here's an arc. Here's me and here's Seattle. I shouldn't be able to see it. And it's like, I think more you and Seattle are right here on this curve you've drawn, not here and Can here. You like you're China. On, yeah, like you're not on opposite ends of the of, of the world if you're, you know, wherever you are in, in Seattle, you know. So it's like, you know, so, so a lot of it are things like that. It's like they're kind of, I, I think it's like how they imagine things to be. Oh, well, if the earth is curved, then I shouldn't be able to see in front of me. It should drop off and, you know, and I should, I should be able to look out at the horizon and see the curve. And it's just like, do you realize how little you're actually seeing when you look out and see the horizon? You know, you're not seeing from the North pole to the South pole. That's not the end of your field of vision because those are bent around to the, you know, it's like, okay. And it's like, and I, and, you know, I mean, watching the documentary too, it's like, I'm sure the, the film crew and the, the director are trying to stay impartial and just gather the information. So they don't really pose these questions and be like, well, actually it's this, you know, it's like, you know, you're drawing the curve like this and saying you're here and Seattle's here. When in fact, if the curve is like this, you're here and Seattle's here. That's why you can see each other. You know, like, it's just kind of like, okay, just let them talk, let them go, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's like, you wonder like, how many people will kind of try to engage them and and try to talk to them and to what degree they're, you know, it, is it just that, well, I think that's another thing that kind of came up with it too, is that I feel like, uh, well, the, the main guy they're interviewing, he's talking about how he's been into conspiracy and he has all these books on different conspiracy theories. And this was sort of just the newest conspiracy theory. Like someone bought him a book on flat, flat earthers because he was into conspiracy theories. And this was like just the newest one he jumped onto. So it was kind of already there, this idea of questioning everything that we've been told by the mainstream. And then this was just another in a long line. So he had been kind of being groomed to believe this from the beginning because of that. Um, I wonder if a lot of it has to do with like that. That's my identity is that yeah. people become their beliefs and mm-hmm. that that's how they define themselves in opposition to, or yeah. in, in comparison to other people. And I understand like, okay, I found my group. Like I, I just like, we, we have a tribalism in us and a desire for socialization. And, but it's like, can we use this creativity someplace else? Like pick up a fucking guitar. Like you're right. obviously <laughs> creative, right? You're, you're ignoring all these things yeah. and inventing this new way to, to view things. <laughs> Like, it, it it it's sad that like this is the other side of human imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 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 lengths to which we'll go to create a reality where our identity is valid 
I don't know. Well, and, and that was one of the things that was really kind of interesting is at one point, I think there, there was like a time where there was a flat earther convention and a science convention at the same time, like almost across the street from each other. I don't know if it was actually physically that close, but the way they kind of set it up was this back and forth. And one of the scientists was talking about the flat earthers and saying how these are all people who potentially could have been scientists because they're doing all of this research, you know, they're, they're digging into things, but it's, they haven't been taught like how to find like what sources actually have truth and what sources are just kind of like, you know, either kind of using circular logic or telling you what you want to hear or whatever. But it's like the, 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 the part of their mind that is investigating this and digging into it is like the, the scientific part. And if they had had the training to be like, you know, don't, don't start off with what you want to believe and cast off all the information that contradicts it. Like you've got to take in all the information and that's kind of where you arrive at whatever the conclusion actually is, not what you want the conclusion to be, you know? Um, So it was really interesting. It was kind of like, it wasn't like, you know, Oh, fuck all these people. They're all idiots. It's like, no, they've got good brains. They just never kind of were taught, never trained how to use that part of your brain, you know, for, for good to actually find truth, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, and I think part of that too is also like, you know, we, you know, that we don't want to push these people to the fringes because that's, you know, that's when, you know, that's probably what made them alienated in the first place and what made them latch on to something like this. You know, they were probably already on the fringes for other reasons. And now this is where they kind of all met up and it's like, Hey, you know, we're all lonely because we believe these weird things, you know, and now we all believe these weird things together and the internet can bring us together. You know, we can all post YouTube videos and, and, you know, go to chat rooms and talk about all this stuff, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so it was kind of, you know, and I think that's, that's also part of where little pieces of this were connecting to, you know, to my other two things. It's like, um, you know, it's, it, I, I don't think it's people who, who are completely, sort of sort of settled and, and content with their lives. It's people who are like, you know, there's something in it. And again, I think a lot of why I connect to this too is because I think that way of thinking is like, you know, back around when I, you know, when I watched the matrix, you know, and I, I wanted to believe that it, the world was actually a computer simulation. You know, again, I hadn't really learned about metaphor yet. You know, there was a part of my brain that was still, uh, Oh, this is how religions work. You know, there are, these, these beliefs are real. And it's like, oh, here's this other idea, you know, okay, this must be real, as opposed to this is a metaphor kind of, you know, trying to get you to wake up to to the way the world works, but not that it's actually a computer. And again, maybe it is a computer simulation, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't actively believe that it is and kind of live my life as as though it is. Um, You know, because as they say, if we were living in a computer simulation, we wouldn't be able to tell, (laughs) you know, but, but again, I don't waste time actively believing in that and like going on the internet being like, well, who, who says that they have proof that we're living in a computer simulation? You know, it's like, no, it's this metaphor. What does that metaphor tell you about your life? And how does it make you look at the world, the actual world and, and kind of, you know, rethink those things, you know, um, that's why I love like looking back on the matrix now, like, it, it's it's right in there that like you know that this isn't that, you know that this is a metaphor like when morpheus is telling him you know you see the matrix every day you know when you you know when you pay your bills when you pay your taxes like it's like these are the things that are the actual matrices that we're living in these are the systems that have us that are using us as slaves that are using us as batteries it's not that it's you know you're going to wake up in a pod and get flushed and you're in this whole new world 
you know, it's that like all of these, these routines and these systems that you were born into, like they're, they're controlling your lives, you know? Um, it's no less but, sinister, but a lot more boring. The yes. Way that yes. We are more boring in, yes. in this matrix. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of it is like that the people are just bored, you know, like I, it's like I the think other that's thing is like the free yeah. time. Yeah. Like where are the jobs for yeah. these people? Are you going in at 8 a.m. working your desk job and then getting off, like on your lunch break, you have your books and you're doing like I, I'm I'm just fascinated with the the privilege of time yeah. that it would take yeah. to invest into this. It's like the, the idle hands or the devil's play thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, like, <laughs> like go do get a hobby and maybe you won't start believe keep believing all this shit, you know. Isn't that an allusion to masturbation? Isn't that what that means? I, I think it's been used it's as a, that, but I think, it's a yeah. Or, yeah, or maybe that's the original use of it, but I feel like, you know, it could be applied to anything, you know, as it's like... You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so so I think those are a lot of the main points with the flat earther thing is just, you know, you... And, and kind of watching it and seeing the the community of these people and how, you know, there, there are like celebrities within the movement, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, and what was funny too, is there were actually even some, at one point there was like a flat earther convention, I think in like Colorado Springs. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it was weird to be like, Oh God, this is hitting too close to home now. You know, um, it's funny. Like, aren't there a lot of Mormons there too? Like that, that would be the venue for <laughs> wild conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah. <laughs> conspiracy theories about you know how oh you know people who use technology are evil and wrong and they've been telling us you know mm-hmm. you know this that and the other thing using their using their science and their technology to to you know but yeah so so yeah so that was just kind of like oh man this is this is you know i want to believe i guess that this is happening in places that like oh well of course in that state they believe this but it's just like right. shit this is in my state like i don't i do not like this <laughs> you know um the other sad part was like at one point they were doing a panel and you know people were asking questions and it was like this kid that came up and was asking something and the guy was like how old are you and he's like oh 12 years old and he's like oh who brought you here and he's like oh my parents and like you know gave them a round of applause for like yay you brought your kids here you've got your kids believing that the earth is flat and you brought them here. and it was just like fuck all of you like right. like if you're this like loser fucking middle-aged going life going nowhere piece of shit and you want to sit in your mom's basement and believe the earth is flat like that's fine but now like we've got parents like you know telling their kids like not to trust what the schools are teaching them and that it's actually this and it's just like fucking hey you know like like i think that's when it really started started bothering me you know like on a on a bigger level that this is this is going to be something that we're going to have to fight against, you know, 20, 30 years from now, this is going to be the next thing. You know, every, every generation we have like, Oh, here are these people who are now old enough to be changing the world. And instead of just making, you know, positive moves forward to fix the world, we've got to work against this, this conspiracy theory from 20 fucking years ago, that's been instilled in all these children that now they're trying to bring into the world. And it's just like, fuck off. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a huge history of that. Like, kids being brought into like political rallies and holding signs that yeah. like support Jim Crow or are, are at lynchings or, or supporting abortion bans and, and defending rapists and all this shit. Like I, yeah. I, the, the irresponsibility of it's one thing for you to believe that as, as somebody who is all your synapses are together, you've chose to live your life this way. You've done the research in your head. Like you, you, 
you you it's it's almost non-consent to bring a child into those arenas like i yeah it it, it, it's Well, well that's like someone compare i remember one time this wasn't this year but there was some year around during pride when someone it was a post that someone made and again like who knows if the original comment was real but someone was was posting thing like oh like i can't believe parents bring their kids to pride parades and kind of into this environment where you're kind of teaching them that this is okay and someone responded i can't believe believe parents will bring their kids to church and try to teach their kids that this environment is okay and normal you know and it's just like like, yeah, like if you look at, you know, the way church is like as an outsider, like it's fucking creepy. People just as a mass standing and sitting and chanting together, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and I mean, that's saying nothing to like, you know, the belief system and, you know, outside of just their, you know, their belief in an afterlife, but how they're also trying to affect society around them, you know, and, and, and you know, force the rest of society into living by their beliefs, you know, so it's like you know, there's this, there's definitely this sense of, well, the things I believe they're obviously what's good because I'm a good person because I follow the beliefs that I have. Therefore I'm a good person, which is why I know that the beliefs that I have are true because I'm, you know, and it's just like circular logic they get in. So it's like, yeah, like I'm going to bring my kid to all the things I want because that's what I think is right. And, um, and yeah, and it's, and it's just like, you know, it, it, it's also so weird too, because I can almost understand the religious aspect of that more because it has to deal with like your, you know, the afterlife and it, it's so big picture. Like you don't want to fuck with the afterlife. Apparently, you know, it's like, I have to do everything I can to not go to hell. So I understand you want to indoctrinate your children into that. Cause you don't want them to go to hell, right. but like flat earther shit, like what, what is, yeah. Like you were saying before, what That's is there to gain? Shit. What's the end game? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's the point of indoctrinating your child to believe that the earth is flat, you know, like, you know, other than I think, I mean, uh, I think the re- a reason why a lot of people have children is because of their own ego. You know, they want to create a little version of them <clears throat> to pass on to the world so that their stupid thoughts and beliefs can continue, <laughs> you know, and, and, and continue to just like clog up the gene pool, you know. Um, but but yeah, you know, and it's like, I don't know. And it's one of those things, too, like uh, at this point, I don't think I'll ever have kids, but it's definitely in my head that it's like if I ever, ever have do have a kid like I don't want that kid to be a mini me. You know, I want right. to, I want to try to teach that kid like how to think for for themselves, not just be like, you know, here, here's your, here's your, your list of, you know, to do a list of rules, like follow this, believe this, right. you know. That's um, the thing to, to, to their credit, my parents, like they were conservative. Those were their beliefs, but their whole thing was do your own research. Don't be a sheep, like make up your own mind about things. And it's hard, like, you get conditioned and comfortable. I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. When you're raised believing these things and, and hearing them repeated, it's like a warm blanket. And when it gets pulled off you, it's cold and it's scary. Like, I, right. I totally understand, like, and I mean, it's hard being a parent anyway. I don't know. Like, it, it, it's all fucked, man. Like, it, it's, yeah. really, <laughs> it's really hard to... That's one of my biggest frustrations with my parents, where they're like really encouraged, like you can be whatever you want to be, go to college, learn these things, make up your mind for yourself. And then when I argue with them about things, using my knowledge, using the research that right. I've done, it, it has no value the way they told me it did. Right. So that that's also a part of the equation too. Is like I I would hope 
if if we adopt kids like that my the way we parent i really hope is from a place of do your research think for yourself and if you have new information that challenges my worldview i want to be receptive to that and, right. and nurturing to that and also i want to be somebody who can be persuaded i think that's another thing with age comes this immovability of right. belief and i don't it's it's lazy why why even go on at that point if you're not learning if you're not growing if you're not challenging your former self what are you doing you're just working shitting and dying at that point so just like challenge yourself like i yeah that that's part of it too anyway yeah well yeah i I feel like yeah well just one last thought i feel like many parents don't treat their children as people like even when their pe- their children are adults they treat them as subordinates constantly yeah. like you're you know you you are here you know you will never know as much as me because i'm older than you it's right. like i may not have as much experience as you but i may it's possible to learn more than you you know especially like you're saying if people you know once they hit 25 okay i married i have kids i have the job i'm going to have for the next 30 years like okay let's put this day on a loop let's groundhog day it you know and then that's just what life is for the next 30 years so it's like you know, yeah, they kind of, they're in this position. And I wonder if that's part of it too, the motivation for some parents, like, you know, let's have a kid so that there's always somebody I can be right, writer than, you know? Right. Um, although that, what about the comedians we were like, like Nate Bergazzi, he's talking about how like, you know, his, his daughter and he's like, I got to take advantage because pretty soon she, she's going to know more than me. So like right now I got to take advantage. Just think about how like, you know, she'll ask things and he'll just sort of be like, ha ha, like, Oh, you're, you're wrong. You didn't know that, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, pretty soon she's going to know more than me. So I gotta, I gotta, while it lasts, you know? Well, I'm thinking about that in terms of like my family, like when I look at my younger cousins making mistakes, I know from, I, and it's usually like, like relationships or jumping into things. And it's like, my, my view is, I was that age. I understand right now they're not going to, whatever I tell them, it's mm-hmm. fuck you. They're in fuck you season. Right. I'm going to make the mistakes I'm going to make and you learn from them. Some of them are painful. I, there's nothing I can do to save you from that. Right. right. And I think that's different from they come with this idea or this, this information that they've accumulated and then talking about it and finding, oh, what are the sources? Okay, this looks pretty legit. You've changed my mind. That's very different from I have life experience of just ethereal shit, like falling in love, mm-hmm. making financial decisions, moving in with somebody, having like those things. I feel like there there is a way to impart wisdom of experience without being the shitty line in the sand person who's like, you're an idiot. You have nothing of value. Like yeah. there is, there is a, 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 elder versus younger thing of i've seen more i can help you with this it's not i've seen more so i can't see any more than what mm-hmm. i've seen that that's that's something that i'm hoping maybe it's just a human thing because i feel like yeah. generations of people have felt this way about the previous generation so yeah. i i mean the way i try to approach it is yeah like 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 you were saying i've I, i've seen more yes in terms of time but also i don't know what you've seen you know, I haven't exactly. seen what you've seen. Number one, number two, you know, I, I can tell you what I've seen 
and if that gives you any sort of perspective that may shed light on what you're experiencing right now, then so be it. But not to say like, you should do this based on what I've done. You know, I think that's the big difference too. And where, you know, when people sort of get, get mad when you don't take their advice, especially when it's unsolicited, you know, (laughs) like you should do this. No. Well, what the fuck? I did this. It's just like, I don't give a shit. Like what, what's the point of living if, yeah, if you're not going to have those experiences and, you know, even if they are painful, I mean, that's, that's part of life, you know, like you've got to, you've got to have pain. Like I don't, there probably very, very few people who have skated by without having any pain in their life, you know? Right. And it's just like, yeah, like, you know, if, if, if there are little pieces of information that I've kind of come across that I, that I see is kind of relevant to someone who's dealing with something, it's just like, well, here's what happened to me. And that's, that's the thing I always try to do is, is tell my story, not, not sort of dictate, you should do this, but you know, I did this, here's what's happened to me. It doesn't mean it's what's going to happen to you. If you do the same thing, or if you do a different thing, it'll be better. It could still be the shit, the same, but here's an example of something, you know, take, do with it what you want, you know, and that's, that's the approach I try to have, which it may still be annoying. Like you said, if they're in fuck you season, you know, they may still not want to hear it. Um, but, but I hope to at least not, yeah, not to have that, that, um, to put up that defense of like, I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm better and smarter than you, which I feel like is usually what the, yeah, the, the elder perspective is like, there's no possible way you could have any information to share with me that I don't already know. Right. And if you do, it's probably garbage and a lie because, you know, you know, if it was true, I would know it because I'm older, you know? So yeah. Okay. Now Q and on. We're going to have to put in time codes. So, cause if yeah. anybody is coming to this, wanting to t- listen to us talk about Bo Burnham, they're going to be slogging through some major shit right now. It's, these are very different tones of conversation. Yeah. So talk me through the, the Q and on thing. Okay. So, so before this, I, I didn't have a clear idea of what, what exactly QAnon was. I knew it was sort of, you know, again, related to conspiracy theories, the little information I had seen about it was like, it was tying a bunch of little conspiracy theories together mm-hmm. um, and basically being like, oh, well, if you believe this, this is also part of that. And like, basically there's just one big conspiracy that, that, you know, has, that everything is, has been a part of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what this documentary focused on was, you know, that, that, so there was actually someone calling themselves Q who was posting stuff like okay. throwing out anonymously. Little, yeah. Q, um, anonymously. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I guess Q came from this, supposedly they, you know, and at some point, I don't know if they said this or someone said this, but like they had Q level clearance within the government. That's supposedly where Q came from like why they were called Q. Mm -hmm. So they were basically kind of right up there with Trump, like getting all this Intel kind of, you know, right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, And a lot of what was tied up in this is the whole idea. So originally um, I think, I think originally he was posting on 4chan. (laughs) So, so, you know, that, that, that pillar of integrity 4chan. Well, so, so that's the thing. That's what a lot of this ended up being about was the idea between, you know, 4chan and then they got booted off 4chan. So they went to 8chan, which was like, oh yeah, we'll let you post whatever you want here, even though you were banned there. And then there was this whole thing about, you know, the guy who, who created 
8chan and then this other guy who like bought 8chan from him because he kind of the creator couldn't handle it so then this other guy and his son were kind of running 8chan and then it was like the so so it really dug into a lot of that stuff and on that end of things like the the argument about like free speech you know you know you should be able to post whatever you want wherever you want whenever you want about whomever you want you know this that and the other thing um and that was kind of i think a lot of what what happened was i think i forget at what point this happened maybe this was when it was still on 4chan but there was someone who was kind of tied into all of this stuff um and and again i think this is the the part that was really shitty and dangerous about all this is like, you know, Q would be kind of saying all this stuff and it would kind of rally all these people. And I think that was the point where someone was like, um, was it like the, the, the mosque shooting, I think where he like live streamed it on Facebook live. and was like posting about it saying, I'm going to go shoot up this, this, this mosque. Here's, you know, pictures, you know, and went in and then people like on, you know, in response, like cheering that person on, like, oh, cool, good, you know, what's the body count, this, this, and that, blah, blah, blah. And I think that might have been the thing that got them booted off 4chan. And then that's when 8chan was like, oh, come on here. But then there was also a lot of what kind of ties in is very suspicious is a lot of people are saying, oh, like the way Q posts now is very different ever since he moved to 8chan. You know, so it doesn't see, I don't think it's the same Q. And there were some people who were like, no, this isn't Q anymore. This is an imposter. This is someone else. So, so that became like a whole big part of this and trying to figure out like who Q was. And, um, but I think a lot of it, what was, what was kind of interesting, and maybe I think this is why the director focused on that part of it is like, okay, because this kind of spawned this whole big thing. Like it was basically anyone who was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to Q, um, and that's why I almost wish, I wish there was some in, in the, uh, the flat earther documentary. Like, I wonder if there was any connection to QAnon with any of those people or with any of the, the flat earther beliefs, because I feel like a lot of things were kind of falling under this umbrella and as, as Q would post stuff. And, and that was the thing too, is like, what, so right off the bat, a lot of what Q would post would be very like cryptic and just like phrases, you know, like, like one of them was, I think was like, you know, from darkness to light or something like that. And then there was another site that would take those because part of the, the whole appeal of posting on there was you could post anonymously. So they couldn't trace who, who Q actually was, mm-hmm. but then other people, but like the, the, the actual posts that Q were doing weren't necessarily bad or flagged or anything. So people would take the posts and be like, oh, okay, on this website, I'm going to post all of Q's posts. So you could just come here. And then some people would take those and analyze them and start being like, oh, well, this phrase refers to this and this is this and that. And it would just get into this whole big thing. And then at one point they were saying that people would, would write to Q and be like, hey, to prove that you're actually like, you know, Trump's right-hand man or whatever, can you get Trump to say this phrase in his next speech. And then supposedly sometimes it would actually happen. Like the next day he would give a speech and that phrase was in there. But then at one point they were saying like, you know, like, yeah, that would happen tons of times where people like, you know, say this, prove yourself this. And it would only happen a handful of times and they would focus on those handful of, you know, so it almost seemed like a Nostradamus type thing. You know, I'm going to make a billion different prophecies that could be applied to anything. And sure, if you kind of focus on one prophecy and connect it, and you know, fit it in this, this, this peg, like, or fit this peg in this hole, like, Oh, look, this was, this predicted the future. And it's like, well, what about all these other things that haven't come right. true or haven't connected? So Especially that was kind of Trump has a limited vocabulary. So you could probably predict 
a phrase right. he would use, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's not that that is no big feat, right? So yeah, nobody so like, guessed grabbing by the pussy. That right? That yeah, was, yeah. That, that was freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. So so yeah. So a lot of it is kind of following more so the yeah the the sort of the websites and how the hosting worked than the actual like queue and then it kind of delved a little bit into uh so so i don't want to give the ending away but by the end the 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 director kind of thinks he figured out who q is Ah. um which is very interesting for reasons that i that i won't get into again because i don't want to ruin the ending um but one of the things he says, and this isn't to, so this does, this is in the last episode, but it's not to ruin the ending. It's that apparently someone said that if you try to refute a, a conspiracy theory, you, you inevitably become part of the conspiracy theory. So what he said was he didn't want to try to disprove it, but he wanted to sort of um, demystify how this conspiracy theory came about. You know, the way like I with see. the magic trick, if you explain how a magic trick is done, then you can never unsee that you're always going to, it's going to ruin the trick for you. So that's kind of what he wanted to do is to kind of be like, you He's know, kind of look behind the curtain. Yeah. So that if it happens again and you see these things happening, like, Oh, this is just another one of those things. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and this covered a lot too. Like at one point it, it had, it had this huge timeline that was kind of going on. And again, sometimes it focused more on like 4chan and 8chan than it did just Q specifically because it did get into a lot of the other um, shootings that had happened where people had posted manifestos and things like that. Um, it also got into Gamergate, um, you know, things like that where it's like, you know, oh, like, look, we're going to say, oh, you know, somebody should kill this girl because, you know, she wants to play video games and she's a girl. And it's like, oh, but free speech, he has the right to say that, you know, and like that that's kind of like that's what the argument was. And that's kind of what a lot of the the people running these websites are saying like, Oh, you know, people, people have the right to say whatever they want. We're going to give them a platform for that. And if violence comes of it, well, you know, we're, we're going to kind of wash our hands of it because free speech and this, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, and I feel like, uh, you know, I remember when I was younger, a lot of what they taught us was, you know, this idea of free speech, but it's like free speech, freedom of speech does not include yelling fire in a crowded building. Right. You know, and, and I feel like, you know, because the internet is different, you know, it's one of those things, you know, just like how, you know, uh, there are no rules in the constitution about automobile laws because right. automobiles didn't exist back then. So we can, we can latch on to every little rule in the constitution and we can't touch those, but we can make up whatever rules we want for new technology as it arises. But it's like, I feel like, you know, with that type of thing, it's like, okay, yes, we, we all agree that, you know, freedom of speech does not include, you know, yelling fire in a, in a crowded building and causing a panic and possibly causing in injury and even death. But that doesn't apply to the internet because it's not a physical room. So we don't, you know, all the bets are off, you know, um, also, also the idea of how it gets twisted that like, you know, oh, freedom of speech, you know, that, that, that rule should be forced upon a private company and what they're choosing to allow and not allow. It's like, no, like this, this means you can't be put in jail for speaking your mind. It doesn't mean Facebook is, should be forced to let you, you know, show all your hate speech or whatever, you know, or, you know, you're inciting violence, you know, it's like, that's the company. They get to decide what, what is allowed and not allowed. Um, The other thing is like the, the medium, right? Like the medium of speech that is the internet is also an interesting thing because that's why chat rooms have moderators. Like these spaces, the idea of free speech was, 
I can write what I want in protest and I can say specifically to a government official, mm-hmm. fuck you, you're doing it wrong. Like, the, the, we always forget the fucking context of which right. these things were written. Like, you're not, your free speech is not being violated if you can't say hateful shit on this social media thing. Right. It's a toy. It's a powerful <laughs> toy for information, but it's, it's fucking fluff. If you want to say hateful shit, you could nothing is muzzling you in right. terms of your ability that yeah that that's that's a whole well, part and, of it and too it, and it's just like you know like if if, if i want to say the word fuck it doesn't mean i can walk into a television studio and that they're they have to put me on the air so that right. i can say fuck on the air yeah like, that's a great you know, analogy like yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're not your rights are not being violated you don't have a tv show right <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not your 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 prerogative to be able to yeah yeah so so that was like a, a a big part of it that kind of got into the whole thing um aside from the whole you know conspiracy aspect of it and like what q was posting and what people were saying and what you know but that 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 kind of built up its you know it, it got it got its own steam um and it, it basically led up into to the you know the, the the insurrection you know the attack on the capitol that was kind of like what the whole thing built to um and what was what was really kind of interesting is that the director was actually there like because he he was covering and one of you know one of the guys he was interviewing the the owner of 8chan like he was at the rally so the director was there with him like filming you know him at the rally and, and the participant and then the march from like what was it like the Washington Monument where Trump had given the speech right and then everyone marched from there over to the Capitol. Like he was there in that march. Like he had footage from that whole march and go, you know, and all of that stuff is, is you know, part of it. And it's just like, fuck, man, what that must have been like. Oh yeah, I'm doing this documentary. Like holy shit! Like history's being made right in front of me with you know this this fucking ridiculousness and um and uh, yeah. So it was just like you know seeing that that and, and I don't know that I don't know that Q was the cause for all of that, like, I feel like those feelings were still there, but again, it became, I think like a rallying point. Right. For, it seems like a perfect storm of all these different influences. Oh, it's funny. You should say that because that was also a big, a big catchphrase, you know, like the calm before the storm, you know, the into the storm, the, you know, the, this is the storm, you know? And, and and that was one of the things too, that they kind of latched onto where like Trump had had this meeting early on and he's like, Oh, you know what this is? This is the calm before the storm, you know? And this was, where he was like, yeah, we're basically going to tear through and fuck everybody up who we don't like. And, you know, and that's what everyone's getting all excited about. Like, yeah, they're going to get rid of all these things that I don't like about this country. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, the, the whole train, the swamp kind of thing. Um, so that was this, this phrase that kept getting thrown out to kind of just like amp people up. Like, yeah, the storm is coming. Oh, okay. It's going to happen soon. You know? And, and it became this like, this mythological, like almost biblical thing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. almost like, you know, like the rapture, you know, like, Oh, this is going to happen. And, you know, um, and I think it was just like, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Like a perfect storm. Like there, you know, you know, we had sort of what happened with Trump getting elected is him able to kind of scoop up all of the people who are pissed about things. And, you know, every, every little person who was pissed about something, he was like, yes, I will, I will represent all of you. You know, everyone who, who is hateful about something in this country that they don't like, you know, come under me and I'll fix it. I'll get rid of all the stuff you don't like. And then it, I feel like, you know, the whole Q thing kind of picked up from that it was like, okay, like now that he's president, 
I'm right here with him and I'm telling you all the things that he's going to say and he's going to do and to get ready and to do this. And this is going to happen, you know? And, and so, so I think that a lot of, and again, I don't, I, I don't want to say that like, if, you know, without the whole Q part of this, you know, the, the, the insurrection at the Capitol wouldn't have happened, but that was kind of there. And that was, I think where, I think that was the big part of it is that was where they were organizing that and where kind of those people were communicating and like, Oh, this is what's going to happen. And this is, you know, where we're going to meet and how this is going to go down. So that, that, that was kind of the whole arc of that. And like I said, a lot of it had to do with the websites, which I kind of lost interest about a little bit because it was focusing a little too much on like, you know, well, oh, you know, 8chan was shut down and then this guy wanted to sell it because every time there's a shooting and someone posts his manifesto, they go after the creator of 8chan. He's like, I don't even own it anymore. I'm not even running it. Like, you know, so then they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll change the name to 8coon instead. And now, okay, now it's not yours. It's a different thing. And, but we're still going to be doing that. And, and at one point, like, oh, when it was just first up and running, no one could post but Q. Somehow Q could post, even though no one else could figure out how to post. Like, that's weird. Oh, why is that happening? You know, so, you know, a lot of it was getting into just that part of it. But, you know, you kind of got to see the, I guess, the environment that, that Q was operating in, like why it kind of switched from one board to another and why this was happening, um, which is part of what, what came up later. Um, I don't want to switch gears yet but um, the, the whole cult aspect of this kind of comes into play. Um, so, yeah. So before we switch gears, do you have any more thoughts on the Q part of it or questions about yeah, the documentary? Or? It's really fascinating. I mean, like we, we have a history as a species of developing something super quick and then finding out for the next 50 years, how bad it fucked us up. Cause <laughs> It's the it's the Jurassic Park thing, right? We were so yeah. so worried about doing something, we never yeah. took took the time to to ask if we should. Right, and that's the thing. Like Facebook, as as the, kind of the the start of this social media space, right? Like turning the internet into what it has become is a huge shiny fun awful fucking thing like it, it's it and this i mean this <laughs> bleeds into our bo burnham discussion later like the idea that the power to organize and assemble has never been more readily available mm. and for better and for worse <laughs> and and it's it's fascinating i i wasn't all that familiar i just knew that when when QAnon was coming up, it was Republicans blaming them for the shit that happened, rather than claiming that their 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 platforms and their president were inciting things and saying things that this is how we believe, and the the people who took it to the farthest extreme allied themselves with those viewpoints were Republicans represent Republicans. So I didn't get into too much what what QAnon represented i just knew it was the bad guy you know in in terms of it, it's fat i'm i'm really interested to watch this um documentary in terms of kind of the birth of these things because mm -hmm. that's that's part of of like you said figuring out okay what condition under what conditions will this happen again right. what what are the things to watch out for what like are you a part of a group that is turning into that that's that's also valuable information too 
almost more so than who is Q is right. how did this come about? I think that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where we we didn't know. I mean, Zuckerberg wasn't interested in the the social development, socialization of the entire globe, like what Facebook would do. He it was here's here's a place to hang out digitally. In, in, essentially, it was like the next step from a snap or a, a chat room, and right. this kind of ex- exclusivity—that's Ex- the word—of okay. here are my friends. They can see my stuff. They like so the 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 nugget that grew into four chan, eight chan, all this stuff. Like it, it is relatively innocent in it. In it's it's but how we've designed it to okay. Here's all the things you like to buy. Here's all the things you like to hear mm-hmm. data wise. Here's the things that back up all your beliefs. None of nobody's studied that except the corporations who are profiting off of it. And nobody's doing anything preventative or re- I mean, we're not gonna know how fucked up we're gonna be in the next 40 years as a result of this being a huge staple of your existence is your online presence. Yeah. So I think QAnon it, it, as a as a cautionary tale, but also as this document of how these things have been negative and how they can be used to galvanize negatively as well as positively yeah. is, is fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, and actually, yeah, that reminded me of another point that he made is the, at one point he said that studies have shown that like, like, you know, fortune and eight Chan, they're not as likely to indoctrinate people as like Facebook and YouTube are. Because Facebook and YouTube is what will sort of feed you more content that you want. Yep. And I think it's more when you've gotten to that point, that's when you go to like 4chan or 8chan and be like, oh, where are other people that I can say shitty things with? You know, now that I've been, you know, I've reached the pinnacle of what you, the shitty things YouTube will allow people to say. Right. I need to go beyond that. Like, you know, and by that point, you're already kind of, yeah, like indoctrinated and kind of like, yeah, like these are my beliefs. Where can I find the people that share those beliefs? Oh, and then they kind of end up on, on HN or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, like, I think, I think, you know, if you're curious, I don't think you would end up on HN. It's more like, you know, that's where you're like, Oh, let me watch a YouTube video. Oh, I like this. Okay. Here are five more videos. Like the one you liked. Okay. Here's a murder video. Why don't you watch that now and see like, Oh yeah, we're going to, you know, here's a picture of Democrats eating babies. Why don't you look at that? Okay. Like here, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's very like, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks too, that you're like kind of looking at like, you know, like I, I think, you know, part of what you're exploring in this is that like, I think a lot of people look at like 4chan and 8chan as like the scapegoats, like, Oh, all these people are saying bad things and doing bad things and posting bad things over here. But it's like, but what about Facebook and YouTube where right. they're under the radar because they, they seem to have, you know, stricter guidelines. So we won't let you say anything but we'll let you say enough to kind of get people riled up and then go over to HN where they can say anything, you know? Right. Um, so that was kind of illuminating. That was, that was really interesting and make, you know, definitely makes me like look at, you know, the, the friendlier side of it, like Facebook and, and YouTube, like very different. Yeah. In, in cults, it must be so much easier for cults to build communities with the internet. Is that, is that anything? So, yeah, yeah. So, so that was part of the, that's what a following is, right? Like with that, literally, like what you're trying to do is get people to listen to your ideas on the internet. That's what a Twitter following is. And 
the power you wield when you have an audience is is no small thing anyway well you know and, and a big part of it is you know the idea that people who you know in the past people would join cults like in person like you had to physically yeah. go there so that is sort of the big thing is that like yeah you could you could create this cult following online with people all over the world who are not connected geographically. And that was, that was the crossover point is that they actually talked about like, you know, on websites like 4chan and 8chan. And they were saying they brought up that same, the, the, the shooter who posted, you know, on, on Facebook, a Facebook live stream of going in, you know, and killing a bunch of people and having this, this community around him, cheering him on, on, 4chan or 8chan, you know, and, and, and that that's, you know, it's like, you, you know, and this is something I always wonder too, is that, you know, and, and it, it, is it scarier that it seems like there are these cults that don't have a follower, you know, it's, a, it's almost like that's kind of what, what I think has, has happened a lot with, uh, with the internet is you don't need a single person kind of leading everybody. Right. It's, it's sort of this ideal. And, and, and I think that's the thing is like, if you were just in the world, you know, there, I think before, you know, I, and, and that was the problem with, I think the 2016 election is there were people all over the country who all felt the same way, who all felt alone, who all felt like there was no one speaking for their stupid ideas. And, and that's what Trump rallied and kind of, you know, became the figurehead of that. Um, whereas, with with the internet, you know, and you know things like chat rooms or like 4chan, 8chan, where you could just join and start talking about stuff. There doesn't have to be a person who's the head of that. You could just be like, "Hey, look, here's a group of people all over the world who are all shitty for the same reason, and let's reinforce all of our shitty ideas." You know, but there's yeah, there's no one leading them. So you know, I, I kind of wonder, you know, is is that better or worse? You know, if they had a leader, and that's so, and that's kind of what this connects with too. Um, you know, in this, this, this episode of explain where they were talking about cults, you know, having this charismatic leader and usually they had, I think, what was it? I forget. There was, there was one thing that was like three aspects of what a cult is. And then mm-hmm. I think seven steps of how you get indoctrinated or something like that. And one of them is, you know, having this enigmatic leader. So I guess technically these groups on the internet aren't technically a cult because there is no leader. Um, but that to me is kind of like, you know, oh, oh shit, that's kind of, I, I, I feel like, and, and I want to give the disclaimer that I'm not saying that every person who voted for, for Trump is in a cult, but I do think that there has been a cult following that has developed around him and whether or not that was his intention. I think there are definitely a bunch of people who, who, you know, you know, in, in this, it says people who had a, at a crossroads who were kind of like feeling like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of lost. Where can I go? And I think, and I think that's something that was even acknowledged during that election, that that's why, you know, all these people who felt forgotten, you know, that, that they were claiming the, de- you know, Oh, the Democrats aren't worried about us. They're not talking about the, you know, and, and I feel like they would call, you know, call themselves the working class, but what they really meant was like, you know, straight white people, you know, they're too busy trying to, you know, help all, all you know, the gays and, and the, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, so they felt like they were, they were being kind of, you know, on, on the fringes, I guess, like with the whole, you know, um, like with the, uh, uh, flat earther thing, you know, these, right. these people on the fringes of society, they somehow feel like they're neglected, like they're not special anymore. You know, it's like, Oh, you know, it used to be that, that we were the people running this place. And now it's like, look at all these people in here in this country who don't look like me and they're getting things that they want. What about me? What about me? You know? So I think those people were at a crossroads 
you know, to, you know, to themselves. And, and again, I don't know that he was trying to start a cult, but he definitely became a figurehead for all of those opinions and, you know, and kind of for someone to get, and again, I'm not saying that every single person who voted for Trump is, is, is a part of that, but you definitely see people, you know, and, and you know, people have said that like, Oh, he's our savior. He's going to come in like almost making right. him a religious figure, you know? Um, so, so that kind of part of it tied into it and, and, and that, but also with, uh, with, with Q, you know, and, and right. whether or not it was the same person at the beginning, you know, as it was at the end or whatever, it, it became, a, a thing for them to, you know, whether, you know, it's the person or the, it, it was, it was a focal point. It was something for, for everybody to kind of rally behind as opposed to just being this mass of people just shouting, you know, obscenities, you know, to each other, not at each other. Cause they're all like, yeah, we agree on all the same shit. And we, you know, but like now it, it kind of gave them a focal point. Um, it's interesting too the idea of a cult without a leader, more following an ideal or a doctrine or something that they've all agreed on beforehand and then somebody coming in and stepping into that yeah. leader role. I think that's an interesting, might be a development in kind of cult mentality where leaders can be martyred, right? Mm-hmm. Which is almost as powerful as being led, right? Like in, in terms of an organ, like, <laughs> I mean, not to make the comparison with Christianity, but Jesus died. Right. Now we have Christianity. Like, that's the power of a martyr in in terms of these kind of large group groups with specific doctrines following somebody who's a leader. But the idea that ideas and kind of anonymity on the internet creating this other subcategory where there's no central figure to martyr or follow behind or blame really in the same way that you could with a Jonestown or with the Mansons, like, mm-hmm. Because there's nobody to point and point the f- finger at, the idea is the insidious thing, and that's what gets profili- uh, profligated kind of all all over the place. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and um, another thing, you know, kind of speaking of that that martyr idea, I think, and I don't I don't know what the state of Q is now. I think as of the documentary, I think Q stopped posting after the insurrection. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it kind of fizzled. And I think part of it's because like, and, and, and again, like I didn't, I didn't do a deep dive and start researching Q to see, like, I was kind of just, you know, like, uh, but part of what was wrapped up in that is I think, and, and again, I don't know if Q was careful to not be specific and let people kind of draw their own compute con, um, conclusions, you know, just kind of stoke the fire. But like, the, the idea of like, we're going to storm the Capitol. We're going to pull out all the Democrats. We're going to hang them all like that. That whole thing was getting riled up as part of Q. And, and again, whether Q was actually telling them this is going to happen, we're going to go in there, you know, or it was kind of like, you know, them, the, the group mentality snowballing that idea. That was kind of what they all imagined was going to happen. That was, that was supposed to be their salvation where they were going to take back the country and then the whole thing fizzled and fell apart and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And then I think, yeah, I think they just never heard from Q again, supposedly, who knows, maybe he's posting somewhere else and a new thing is in its process now. He's but, R now. Q R right, is yeah. going through the yeah. alphabet. But, but I think that's part of maybe why 
going forward, it didn't have the, you know, Q wasn't martyred. You know, Q was kind of stoking this fire and then they did what they thought they were supposed to. And what they thought was going to happen didn't really happen the way it was supposed to. And now it's kind of like, Oh fuck. Um, which I mean, and now I guess we could speculate about like, is that better or worse? You know, have they, right. have the wind been taken out of their sails or are they more angry now? Because we're like, right. we didn't get what we were promised, you know, kind of thing. Um, so we'll, yeah, that remains to be seen, but so that's the, that, that's how all that ties together. <laughs> These are not fun, fun topics. No. It, it's just, I, it's hard when, I don't know. Like I, I definitely went through the thing where when, when I was educated about my privilege, my initial reaction was fuck you. I, 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 I earned things and I'm in this, all this debt and, and I, things have not been handed to me and it's not about you. I think that's a lot of this is like, internet is a lot about this is me. Right. <laughs> and I'm important. Mm-hmm. And it it's, it, with a lot of this stuff, it's like change happens slowly. It shouldn't. It's frustrating that it does. And I think that that I we're sick of waiting. And I think that's a big part on, on all sides of the political spectrum. We're sick of waiting, right? For shit. And I think that's a big part of what the internet has helped stoke, for better and worse, mm-hmm. is that it's happening right now, and you can see it happening right now. Yeah. Right. Like we watched in real time as George Floyd was murdered. Like we watched in real time as insurrectionists stormed the Capitol and held senators hostage or represent. I can't remember who was in session. Like, but people we elected were held hostage. Like, so we're seeing that in real time. We're finding out about it in real time and we want to respond in real time. Everybody wants to respond in real time. And it, it's it's at some point there's going to have to be a leveling up of how we can respond to things with and I don't know I don't know what form that takes I I'm not it, it it's just immensely frustrating and isolating and and I mean that's the thing like you feel isolated you don't feel represented you don't feel like the country is supporting you or or making a safe space for you. And that fuels how how you respond to it. I think on both sides, that's how people feel. I think fundamentally, we all have the same desire. That is, I want to know that they're they care about me and that they're protecting me. Right. And that's 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 a very empathetic stance. But when you go about it in these ways and you tout these damaging, dangerous, hateful uh, doctrines, that's getting away from I'm vulnerable. Look at me. Help me. Because that that's that's I think the space where all of these things are coming from, and either you don't have the vocabulary, the education, or the the ability to express that in a way that's not hateful and harmful and damaging and evil. You know, it, it's it's very the internet has turned the volume up on a lot of things. It's turned up the speed and the volume on social movements and political movements and conspiracy theory theories and how information changes hands and how it's manipulated and presented in a way. And it, it's, it's something that none of us have, none of us are an expert on it. Nobody knows the repercussions of it. And it, it is, 
wielded its head in these really ugly ways, but in really good ways too. It, it's it's a tool in in every sense of the world word that the internet is a tool for good and a tool for bad. It, it, it's just really frustrating and it makes you feel very small. You know, I, I, I think it, I, I have literally every piece of information I could ever want in this box in my hand. And I look at screaming goats, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's so, I, I think that this is also a really good segue into our discussion of Bo Burnham mm-hmm. um, in that the internet is, the internet and the time that we're living in are really intertwined and they're both fucking each other up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what do we do in the middle? How do we, what, how do we respond in this world? That's so me, 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 acknowledge me, see me, appreciate me. And, and, and I don't know. It, it, it's, I don't, I'm just saying a lot without saying a whole lot, Tim. I'm, 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 I'm spiraling. It's, this is a great internet discussion, essentially. Like these yeah. two topics really are about the internet and its impact. And I don't know. It, it's. Well, well, maybe instead of making a smooth transition, maybe we could sort of like, you know, cut it here. I mean, not, you know, in the editing, but like say, okay, like if we're going to talk about Bo Burnham, like maybe start with like your your experience with watching you know watching the 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 um inside you know and kind of okay. just start from there instead of trying to like <laughs> I mean the two are related yes like there is a connection and there are similarities but let's uh, look at another part of the internet <laughs> right. yeah. well there's, was there was there <laughs> anything streaming. else you wanted to to talk about with that, that no I think I think I'm done I mean that was I think that was like watching the the cults explained i think was the perfect kind of thing to like wrap all of that up mm-hmm. when i was watching it because it was just like it, it was like the common thread and it was i i feel like you know and i'm glad that they brought that up that like you know cults in the past it's like here's this person who comes in and makes people do a bunch of stuff and they all follow that person and they all do all these things and i think yeah we don't have that now as as much i mean you know obviously we, we do but but we're not we don't notice it as much when it's happening on the internet because it's in this dark corner of the internet. And, you know, a lot of times, yeah, there isn't an actual person who's doing it or, um, you know, yeah. Like kind of what they're, you know, they're not, you know, like when they talk about like Jonestown, you know, it's like, Oh, look, he went off and created this commune for all these people to go live together. And then they all kill themselves, you know, like that doesn't happen on the internet because everyone's all in different parts of the world, you know? So I think, you know, I guess the big part is like, you know, uh, I guess being, being more wary because things are, are changing shape because of the internet, you know, threats that were, that we've learned to notice in their original form, we won't necessarily notice because they've, they've adapted to, to work on the internet and it's not the same thing. Right. You know, and, and again, maybe that's part of it too. Maybe that's the whole point. Like, you know, I was saying before is one of the rules of what a cult is. It has this charismatic figurehead. Well, maybe modern cults don't have to because right. of the internet. You know, so don't say like, oh, this doesn't have a charismatic figurehead. It's not a cult. Like, you know, it maybe it can just be a bunch of assholes on the internet following the, some stupid ideal and then, you know, the tragedy coming out of it and being like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of people doing their own thing, making their own choices. And it's just like, you know, maybe it doesn't need a figurehead. Maybe it just needs, you know, maybe everybody is each other's figurehead on, you know, right. in those chat rooms or something, you know. 
I think that's another part of the me thing, right? Like it, it, it doesn't need a figurehead because right. it, it's you in right. front of your computer with everything at your fingertips. Yeah. And this is how you're choosing to spend your time. On. Yeah. Like maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe everybody in those, on, on those boards thinks that they're the leader and everyone else is their followers. Mm-hmm. And because there isn't like a physical difference between I'm up here on the altar, you're out there in the audience. Everybody is each other's audience, but each, also each other's leader in a sense, you know? So it's like, maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. That's fucking terrifying. Jeffrey Bezos. That's as good a transition as we're getting. <laughs> we're going to talk about Bo Burnham for a second. Yeah. Holy shit, Tim. This, this special fucking broke me. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I want to hear about. I want I mean, obviously I, I saw certain connections. I mean, he does he does seem to look a lot like you in this this special and I'm very and his, flattered by that comparison. His, well, like, well, well yeah, but like I feel like well with his his trans, you know, with the hair growing and the beard, I mean like I probably wouldn't have noticed it as much um you know, except that, you know, I feel like he hasn't had a beard at all before. Right. And then all of a sudden he did, and it was like so it was very, very obvious. Um, but yeah, kind of making that connection, you know, that was definitely there for me. So I was like, okay, I get this, but, um, and yeah, and there were other connections I saw, but yeah, I, I definitely want, now that I have seen it and seen it twice, I definitely want to hear you talk about kind of what this meant to you. Yeah. So it, it was, it was not even a question that we were going to watch this because we love Bo. Tyna and I, one of the first things we ever connected on was, I think his words, words, words album. Um, so we saw Somebody had said that Bo had a new special. I was like, well, we're watching that. Um, we proceeded, we put it on late night. I guess it was like a Thursday or something. And and Tyna fell asleep halfway through and it kept me awake. Afterwards, I, I don't know if I started watch, re-watching it in the same night, but there, there's something so sad about watching watching something with somebody and they're asleep and you're left alone with the feelings and you know no that's the other like it's so sad that we we don't get together and watch things together anymore really like people don't do that as often like there's no watch parties for things anymore or in covid's made it insanely difficult but like that i felt more seen than i've ever felt and I keep I keep joking about like squint when you look at me, Bo. I don't need you to have both eyeballs on me like this. <laughs> like it was everything about how it felt to be isolated in quarantine. It was everything about how it felt to be creative in quarantine. And it was it it's another one of those things where I hate knowing that he's out in the world. Like in the same way I, I'm dwarfed and, and uh, uh, intimidated by your talent, the same way with <laughs> Bo, that it's like, I hate knowing that he's out there and he's my fucking age. That's the other thing. He was born in 1990 like I was. Mm. He's 30. Turned 30. He's younger, during, yeah. he's younger than I am. So it's, well, I don't know if he's young. I, same age. He's 30. I'm 30. And to know he's out there and to know that he is this oracle of the internet, I I do not understand how he grew up the way I grew up, experiencing the internet becoming a thing, and he can comment on it so accurately. Mm-hmm. And it's like he just like just cut into my brain and put it out and like, here, 
Here's what's been in his head for his whole life. This is how it feels at this moment in history. And it, it, it was, I watched it the next day all the way through. And then I started picking and choose, like jumping around the songs because they get in your head. Mm. And then that later that week, he put it on Spotify. And I must have listened to the, the, just the songs eight times since, since they dropped. It, it's, it's in my skin. And it, it's one of those things like every time Bo drops something, that's how I devout, like it seems like, but none of them have really hurt me as deep in my core as this one did. It, it just, the vulnerability of it, the kind of pulling the curtain back of, of, it, it's very vulnerable. It's very intimate. Mm. It's very exposed the way he, he chose to make this. And I was talking to Scott about it, where it's like, if the things that are those intimate moments were scripted, they don't lose any validity for how raw they have appeared. It, it's, it's just, and what an architect and engineer he is to have written, edited, filmed, produced every every second of it in a room by himself like what excuse do i have that watching it it was like what what all through quarantine creatives were asking themselves what am i going to make with this how am i going to respond to this what what will be the the monument to this free time i've been given and he made that and it's like the last, it's the final word on it. Like I, I had posted this on Facebook that the, the, the two, the two pop culture moments that have happened during quarantine that have really made me feel seen and just a great lens for how this year almost are going on year and a yeah, half year plus yeah. has felt was when Kate McKinnon broke on SNL as Doctor, we know this, and just Colin just going over and saying, "Kate, are you okay?" And her just laughing, almost crying, like, "No, I'm clearly not. Like, this is how I'm coping. Like, that human moment was like that is everything about it. And then this, this masterpiece, this this monument to insecurity, to creativity, to to being." white and and male and and it's not all about you and but also wanting to express art and how you're feeling and the internet and i just the amount of commentary and earnestness like that's the other thing is like Bo is really good at cynical commentary but also there's a softness to it and an earnestness to it that it, it, it's the whole experience. It's just like an un, unsense or there's nothing mitigated about it. It's it's everything is at full volume and he's executing on ever as a director, as a, a songwriter, as a performer, as a, a, a direct, a designer of set, as a lighting engineer, as like every single part of it is so well crafted. And it, I mean, I've, I've, I've talked, I've said this, <laughs> In, in similar forms to like six different people who have watched it. And it has not diminished in fervor and passion because it, it just, it 
it cut me to the core in a way that it just felt it was really depressing and and joyful and beautiful and awful all at once it, it just it, watching it i felt like what well i'm i mean you you know me i i have a terrible like projection of well why am i doing anything cuz there's these other people saying it so much better like this was the perfect crystallization of that it's like this is how i felt this is exactly how it felt and this man is a genius and why why write music why write a commentary because this dude just fucking killed it Th- yeah, that I, that's how it felt yeah <laughs> yeah that was i remember definitely during that part being like oh okay this is yep i see yeah that was one of the part where he's talking about like you know should i be telling jokes at a time like this you know yeah. like that whole thing i was just like yep i feel like we've had conversations like that before you know and like you know how how to try to make a difference as a white man you know where it's like you know, without, you know, making it a burden to the people you're trying to help and it without it being, you know, you becoming a better person, you know, and it's just like, okay, so am I, so am I not supposed to become a better person? Like, I don't, it's like, I, I yeah, I want to, I want to help, but I don't know how to help, but who am I supposed to ask? Because I know, you know, and, it, and yeah, so I definitely like, you know, there were moments like that where I was just like, oh yeah, you know, this gets, this gets to the core. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's 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 hard to to talk about in like it's just all emotion the way <laughs> it hits me but like so you you've seen it twice mm-hmm. um i mean we could go track by track like w- what was your first initial reaction um i think well you know so so i, I yeah i told you this before the the camera was rolling but um when when chris and i watched it we were eating dinner in our in our office for some reason i forget why we couldn't watch the tv and she had it, I think, on her iPad, like on her desk. So I was like sitting at my desk eating, watching it. So I definitely didn't get the full impact, which is why I wanted to watch it a second time beforehand. Um, and it's really weird. Like I I definitely had different impressions going in because it's like from what I've seen of Bo Burnham, you know, he does like, you know, like a, a stage, you know, performance, yep. you know, as a stand-up comedian. You know, yeah, there are some there are songs there. Um, but this was almost like, it was almost like a, like a one man show, short film, you know, psychological, you know, like it, it, it definitely wasn't just like your, your typical comedy show. And I think you, you kind of have to be ready for that. You know, if you go into it, cause like, you know, for example, Nate Bergazzi did a, a stand up during, during COVID and it was just, I think it was in Las Vegas and he was just like outside on the stage, mm-hmm. you know, but so other than the fact it was like, Oh, Hey, I'm outside. And every now and then I think you heard, you commented about hearing a helicopter going overhead. Um, it was mostly just basic standup, you know? Um, but with this, like the, the format was just, yeah, it was so different. It was so, you know, there were so many just like, you know, artsy scenes, like what he was doing with the lighting and with shadows and like, um, you know, some of my favorite stuff that he did was kind of the stuff where it's like, oh, I could do that at home, you know, um, like where he had his his phone and he was using the light, like had his screen lit up and he would hold it against his butt and then it would yep. like flip it behind him. So you saw this white flash. And that was like, I think on, on Turning 30, right? Yep. Um, which, I mean, we can get into that more with the track by track, but the, you know, there are little things he was doing where it's like, Oh wow! Like I can see, I see how he's doing that, and I never would have thought to do that, but I could do that. And you know, um, but then again, you would also other times see him like fiddling with his equipment, and it's just like, oh fuck, yeah! Like this wasn't just like, oh, let me do this thing real quick. Like there was all this programming involved, and and you know, him doing 
tests with, okay, I'm looking at the screen of the camera filming me as I'm moving lights around so I can see how I look on screen with yep. this different light setup. And and you could almost, I think that for me more was like getting to the heart of the element of like the insanity part of it, you know, where it's like when you're doing everything yourself, you know, it's, and, and, and I sometimes experience little pieces of that, nowhere near what he did. But, you know, I, we've talked about before that now that I'm, you know, doing the film stuff, I've got to not just be the composer, but also, you know, the mixer and masterer of everything I do. And it's not just about like, I wrote this piece, now hand it off to a conductor, and you make it sound good. And then the recording engineers in the studio, and, and they're doing the mixing, you know, and I've already done my part. It's like doing every little piece along the way, you're, you're solely responsible for the end result, you know. Um, so, so like a little piece of that is what kind of connected with me where, yeah, you don't get to just be like, oh, I wrote the songs and the jokes. It's like, nope, do the lighting. Okay, yeah. do the recording. Okay, do all the editing. Okay, you know, and it's just like, fuck, you know, like what, what, a, what a task that was. Um, and Have you seen What and Make Happy? Maybe. I feel like at some point, like I know my, my youngest sister is a fan of his. And I feel like at one point we watched one of them together, but I don't know which one. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I'd seen it all the way through. Like I would probably recognize some of the jokes, but I don't mm-hmm. know which one it was. Um, Cause in those two specials, he, he makes a big point about like playing with the form of the stage show. And he does a lot of like, he, I, he, at one point in one of his shows is like, I don't do stand up, I do one man shows. Okay. And so the design of those two are very much on. Here's the audience. Here's me. And how do we, how do we bridge that gap, but also like acknowledge the form, but also subvert your expectations of the form. Mm-hmm. So his stage show, like in terms of like, not just straight stand up. It's been something he's been toying with for a while, and this is like the perfect crystallization of it. Is like there is no stage. There can't be a stage for right. this. So yeah. So. Yes. And I definitely, so I, you know, I guess just to wrap up that part, I definitely enjoyed it more the second time through. Cause I, you know, I, I could see everything more clearly. I was focused on everything. Um, also I, I think I, you know, I was, I was going into it the first time expecting it to be funnier because it's like, yeah, you're like, Oh, this is, he's a comedian. This is, and, and yeah, so much of it just like, wasn't funny. It was sad, but some of it was, but some of it was dark, funny and, and funny for different reasons than you were expecting. And, um, a lot of times I don't tend to enjoy um, like song comedy. Um, not that I dislike all of it, but it's, it, it's very particular. I think um, this happens a lot. I think what happens for me is I've noticed with a lot of songs that are written to be funny, the chorus isn't that funny. And the chorus is the thing we hear over and over again. Right. Because the chorus is just kind of summarizing what the thing is going on. And then the verses, you know, like a, a perfect example, the one that's popping ahead is the, the people of Walmart song where she basically that. sings like through the, through the verse, she's like listing all these. Well, and it's help, it helps if you watch the video that all these pictures from, there was a, I think a website called people of And it's just pictures people have taken over the years of people at Walmart. And as these pictures are flashing up, she's kind of describing them, you know, in, you know, with a little sort of funny caption of what's in the picture and watching the pictures and hearing her description is hilarious. And then the chorus is just, these are the people of Walmart's 
of Walmart with the, you know, rollbacks and something and shopping carts. And these are the people of Walmart. So it's like this whole thing. And it's like, there's nothing funny there. And then we get into the verse and it's like, okay, the verse is really funny and it's really clever. And then we get back to that same chorus again. It's just like, I don't want to hear this. I'm not listening to this the way I listen to a natural, a regular song where I'm listening to the music and the construction and the contrast. I'm listening to it because it's supposed to be funny. And a good half of this song isn't funny. <laughs> it keeps not being funny. And I'm getting, it's less funny every time I hear it. So that, uh, that happens a lot of times with like funny songs, you know, there are exceptions to the rule. So that's kind of what I was a little bit nervous about with this, but I think he, he, it's almost like he kind of knows that and kind of flipped it on its head where there was one song that he did. Uh, what was it? Oh, I think it, like we does that intern song. Yeah. where it's just like a verse <laughs> chorus and then it stops. Yeah. And then he starts doing the, 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 you know, the analysis of it. And it's like, Oh, that was perfect. It was funny. It was short. It was just enough to make a point and it moved on to something else. You know, I've also said this before when people will do a parody of a song or like a, um, uh, I've seen bands do this. Like, what was it? There was one of my students years and years ago, his band did uh, a version of a Britney Spears song, like as a joke, right. but then they played the whole fucking song. And it's like, well, after the chorus, it's not funny anymore. You're just you're just covering the song because right. you must think it's a good song. If you wanted it to be funny, you could have done um, a medley of a bunch of Britney Spears songs. That would have been funny. Like, here's this song. Oh, man, you're doing that. Oh, now it's something. To, oh, that's, you know, but like, if you're just going to perform the song, now you're just performing the song, you know, and that's not funny and ironic anymore. You just must like this song. Mm-hmm. And you, you took the time to learn this whole song. Like, come on. You know, so, so anyway, I feel like he, or even the, 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 the Jeff Bezos one, like, it's just, th- those are the words. And I was just like, this is fucking brilliant. Like, like, I have had that we in get my it. head for so long. <laughs> I have been singing that to myself in public for like, why, why is that in my head? Why is it so damn catchy? And it's all chorus. Essentially yeah. those two yeah. is, is chorus. Yeah. It's almost a Monty Python-esque thing where they, yes. they took the yeah. sketch and, okay, after the, after we don't want da-da-da-da-da punchline. Let's paste over that. Let's do it till it's not funny anymore and move to something mm-hmm. else. And, I mean, Bo has a song from one of his earlier records where it's, it's I hate catchy choruses and I'm a hypocrite. Hungry, <laughs> hungry hypocrite. Like, that's the chorus. <laughs> so when you get to it again, you're like, oh, he... I hate catchy, and he's undermining it right in the, so he's making the joke in the chorus, and it's a good joke. Like, it, yeah, yeah. In, and the other thing is, there are, there are good musicians, there are good comedians. To bring the two together in a way that is effective on both is nigh on impossible. Like the guitar, the funny guitarist at the open mic night is kind of a cliche joke. It's like, that guy's not going to get on comedy central right like that that's kind of the construct so the other thing like he's such he is a great song writer mm-hmm. like he he i don't know if maybe it, it aligns really well with my taste because one of my favorite shows is documentary now i don't particularly oh, yeah. like documentaries like i've gotten to see more of them but one of my favorite things is somebody making fun of something in the form that it came out in Mm-hmm. And getting it right and getting at like a feeling about it, right? Like how the thin white line feels is how they did it in or uh, in documentary now. So for Bo to to nail eighties workout video tropes for the problematic song, 
And and to get that kind of Drake s chorus type thing for the sexting, another night on my loan, yeah. One hand on my mm-hmm. dick and one hand on my phone, yeah. That mm-hmm. that cadence is so perfect. Mm-hmm. I I I don't know how you do all of that at that level. It, it's I I don't. It's magic. I don't know how he does it. Like for all of those songs to be stuck in my head for weeks, there's something there. Like the kid can write. It's it's yeah. crazy. Well, and, and it was almost like another thought I had today is it was almost like a musical. Yeah. You know, cause there was, there was a story and there were, you know, that's why I, I think like the, the, all those songs, like having different genres fit so well, because I feel like that's how, you know, at least to me, like the musicals or one aspect of musicals I enjoy is when, you know, the, the genres are kind of switching to fit, you know, kind of what, what's going on or the mood. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's referencing other things as opposed to like, Oh, every song sounds like the song from a Broadway musical, like right. a show tune, you know what I mean? Right. Like, which maybe originally like show tune wasn't a, a specific genre, but I feel like, you know, to some degree it's become that. Um, so like the, the way that he, he was able to kind of, yeah, switch for those styles depending on, you know, yeah, like the, the Drake song being like, oh, it's the song about texting, you know, but then like the part, like one of my favorites is his song about the internet, you know, where it's kind of like this carnival barker, yes. you know, and, and, and I was like, that's fucking perfect. The yeah. glasses. He looks like a pedophile, but mm-hmm. also a carnival barker. Like, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. And so, so that was kind of another thing that kind of like, you know, it, it, it definitely seemed like a like a musical or like a, like a concept album, you know, if you were to yeah. pluck the songs out and put them together, you know, like that's kind of how it comes about, you know, that, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the songs could kind of stand on their own as just good songs, you know? Um, and, and what was funny too, is that the thing that I was saying earlier about songs, when I don't find songs funny, his last song, the, the put your fucking hands up, which, you know, the chorus being put your fucking hands up. I was like, okay, this is going to be one of those. But what ended up happening with it is that a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the, the music, the music kind of took over from the comedy. And I think that was, maybe that was the intention is that this isn't, you know, again, like, like a musical, this is, this is a piece of music that is summarizing kind of where he's at at this point. It's not meant to be funny. Um, but then how it fit in and then it almost became like a real song, and, you know, like, like, especially like when he gets into kind of like the, <laughs> one of the, my favorites, when he starts going from the, you know, the put your fucking hands up, you know, and it's like, and, and, and it switches and the, the, the rhythm is getting more, um, more specific than to just put your fucking hands up, you know, and it gets more. And then the part where he's like, you know, get up, get up. And he picks the camera up and it's kind of following him around. And th- th- that song was like an experience in and of itself. And I don't even remember what the verses are, but I just remember actually being entertained by the chorus not by the words but but by by the music and, and the interaction and, and also again like the you know, the emotion of where he is at that point you know that it's almost like and I'm, I'm just kind of thinking this now you know thinking out loud that through the whole thing you know he was trying to do this very introspective kind of thing and at the very end he was just like i you know i'm i'm just a performer i'm just performing this is me just performing for an audience that that isn't there you know um but that's that's kind of almost like almost like he just resigned himself to be like 
you know, at the beginning where he's like, can I tell jokes? How do I do this? And at the end, almost, I almost wonder if it was like a just dance clown dance, you know, like you're, you're, you're not, you're not here to, to, to teach us something, just entertain us, you know, whether that was his intention or not, you know, and it's, it's obviously a very dark kind of place to be by that point. Um, you know, and also like, you know, I think part of what you struggle with when you're like, should I be trying to create art or make jokes with all this stuff happening? And it's also kind of like, well, what else are you going to do? So you might as well just entertain us. So just, you know, make us laugh, you know? And, um, so, so yeah, so like that, that ended up having way more impact than I first thought it was going to, you know, cause he kind of sets it up to be this thing. And then it's just like, you know, when he's talking to the audience that isn't there and then the put your hands up and it's just like, Oh, that's, that's what this whole thing like led up to, but it somehow it like, it worked and it was the perfect thing for that moment. And I think that's part of it too, though. The more I think about it and the more kind of talking about it, like I almost did, you know, we didn't want to talk much about it before the podcast started. So it was like, let's hold it all in. But like, I, yeah, I hadn't really had a chance to work through and talk through a lot of it. Yeah. There's definitely that, a lot to it. That's the song that broke me. That's the one that when the spot of it dropped on Spotify, just the album, when I got to that, I was middle of the work. There's like two o'clock in the workday. I'm just bawling singing along to it nobody just like just i I was i texted scott about it as like this i felt seen by things i've never felt felt does that make sense like or held either like Mm. when he picks up that camera it's like he's picking me up like i'm right there and then what, what you see is just a guy in a room with a camera and a microphone and that's that's almost the most perfect shot of the it it captures everything about it and it, it's it's kind of refer, uh, reminiscent of a, a kanye bit that he had done in the previous special about like kind of this overindulgent artist just like working shit out in front of an audience like the auto-tune is masking his real voice and he's putting out these like ridiculous feelings that he's having and ha- hardships that he's going through and it just was like this super simple crystallization, like put your hands up like that. It, it's all about like interaction. He has no audience. Even if we did put our hands up, he wouldn't be able to see it. And so I, I listened to that a lot. And then somebody on the internet found the, the how far they had detuned his voice for it mm-hmm. and put it through a filter where it was just his regular voice. And that broke me again. Because there's a certain anonymity to it behind that that deep bassy auto tune where it doesn't sound like him, right. but when he's singing it and it's Bo's voice, it, it 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 takes on this other characteristic. It it's yeah the it, the fact that he goes he talks about like I got better, I was in pain, I stopped mm-hmm. this because it hurt. It was giving me panic attacks. Yeah. And I got so bet much better. I thought I was going to be okay to make a special, and then COVID happened. Yeah, like the fucking the the anvil that drops on your heart to hear that, mm-hmm. and and you've seen most of what he produced to know that that's the origin story of this special, and to have experienced all those things to this moment. Like, it, it, there, there's a, a a finale song, but that's the fucking climax, man. Mm-hmm. And the way it ends with him just falling down with holding the camera and it go cuts to black like it, it it's so perfect 
and it gets into something more ethereal than lyrics you know like it's it's felt that song is felt in a way that's kind of unheard of (sighs) shit i'm gonna watch it again tonight and fucking cry (laughs) i just i already know it so go ahead i was just saying another really powerful scene for me was um so the one where he has this like skylighting behind him and he's wearing a hood on and, and he's kind of in the distance and he's trying to, I forget what he's trying to say, but he's trying to kind of give like an update. Cause he does that a few times Yeah, where it's like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. And he keeps doing a take. And at one point he like slaps his leg, you know, cause he doesn't like how it's coming out. And the fact that it's being filmed like behind all of his lighting equipment, almost like this, like, you know, this extra meta layer, this, the, you know, the, the filming of the filming, the behind the scenes, you know, yeah. and we don't get to see the actual scene because, you know, he doesn't like any of the takes and he quits and throws the mic on the floor and knocks a bunch of shit over and just like gives up. And the fact that, yeah, that, that, that that's being filmed behind all of that, you know, and I was almost like disappointed because it's just like, Oh, I can kind of see the look he's going for here. And I want to see like the actual, like what this is supposed to look like. And I was just like, you know, but yeah, it's like, oh my God, like this is, this is intentional. This is so much more powerful, like seeing it from that, that, you know, that angle of, you know, it's not this, um, you know, you, you know, again, you're seeing behind the curtain, you know, he's trying to film himself, like talking to the audience with this nice, beautiful sky background. Like he's outside, like it's a happy day. And like, no, you're in the darkness and you're seeing this, this forest of, of tripods, you know, like all, you know, kind of holding things, you know, creating this, this fake environment, you know, and you're, you're like behind the scenes, you're, you know, you're, you're seeing behind the matrix kind of thing. Um, And yeah, so I thought that that was one of my favorite scenes this time that again, like I didn't get the subtlety of that the first time watching it, but then the second time it's just like, Oh fuck. The feeling of gear claustrophobia Mm. just like and that's the thing when anytime i'm doing a project like i just be become the the center of this universe of tech and cords and cables and all this shit around me and just to think about living in that Mm. like i don't i can't move and go to bed until this is done or i move all this shit and have to set it up tomorrow to do it again right like that whole i i love that he showed the scaffolding like I, I really liked that, and I, I, I love when he's like adjusting the camera and he pulls on the one mic and oh, it's yeah, tied falls over. and it yeah. falls. Like I, if that was scripted, kudos. Like I, I don't know how you do. Like just his reaction in his voice, the that that oh mm-hmm. fuck. Like I don't, I don't see you writing that. Like just. The fact that he had all of this footage, and then in the edit, he's like, "No, let's show the process as a part of it." Because yeah. he's spending the time testing the lights and the distance from the camera and all these things. Like, he shows the he showed his work, you know. Like, and it's crazy because w- from where it starts, it's a very polished place. That first song about like healing the world with comedy mm-hmm. is is super polished. It looks like a music video, and then it slowly becomes more and more. You see more of the gear showing up, and you see more of the scaffolding of what he's constructed, and it it becomes less polished, but not in a diminishing way at all. It's that's the thing. Like the second the second he turns on his headlight in the first song and puts mm-hmm. it up into look, I made you some content into the disco ball. Yeah, like Bo's fucking back in that. In that is like 
I, I'm, I'm worried. I don't know what form this is going to take. It's like, that's Bo. That, that's the guy I know. That's the stuff that he does. And then he proceeded to just break me emotionally with everything mm-hmm. that came after it. Like, yeah. Um, just in the interest of having some structure and not, not taking a million years to talk about this, but like to pull up the, the track list. Um, so content is the first song, which is great. Like, if you'd have told me a year ago, I'd be locked inside of my hand. I would have told you that's nice. Now leave me alone. Like he, the, he's so good at hooks, but he's also good at, at earworm lyrics. Like just the, the, they work. I, it's frustrating how well they work. And then the comedy song is where kind of, he has this like ethereal vision of like heal the world with your comedy. And Mm -hmm. then that goes into, and it's great, like he his we've had the floor for four hundred years. Maybe I should shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm bored and comes right back. Right. Like it, it's a yeah. great it's tongue in cheap, and he's also talking about like there's only one thing I can think of to do that will get me paid and make me the center of attention. <laughs> like right. it he, he's very aware of his own ego as as a component of it. And then it gets into FaceTime with my mom tonight. And brother, if that isn't fucking incredible it's also a bop man like it's so catchy and so well constructed and i i love that he played with aspect ratios when he goes to facetime it, you yeah. get a phone when it's in a white woman's instagram it's a square, square yeah like he plays with the form so well and that's like to be that catchy and to be that accurate and the frustration of like Ma, you got you got your thumb on the camera. It's not it's not your fault. Just just move it up. Like, see what I'm doing? Do it. Like the the internal struggle with I am not there to show you how to do this thing, but I really right. want to talk to you because, like he says, the 40 minutes are essential. Yeah, I need to talk to you. Like that. It just. <laughs> I think it's still, it's still the opening part where he's like, you know, her hair is wet. Like, oh, you just got a shower. Oh, how do you know? Because your hair is wet. Oh, you know, it's just like, she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's great, and that's that song's uh, chorus is not a joke, but it, it's it's catchy, man. Like it, it, it's it's not taken away from it at all. My mother's covering the camera with her phone. Like I. <laughs> He's really good at the the um the after bridge the the um or after chorus or pre chorus or whatever mm-hmm. like that those constructs he's really good at um and then after that one was how the world works, which I think is my least favorite that's the one with Sako oh yeah, and I think it's because Sako is fucking disturbing like yeah. it's a great song and it's like really cool like kind of mr rogers as sesame street as i like like mm-hmm. he nails that genre too but the fact that Sako exists in sleeping living death paralysis when he takes off and the power dynamic and how it shifts in tone i think it's really well constructed for that mm-hmm. but when he takes it off he's like ah, it, i, I right. know it's a man's hand in a sock and he did a voiceover but it was disturbing as fuck yeah. <laughs> and uncomfortable white woman's instagram i i mean the engineering of those facades, those pictures that he did pitch fucking perfect. I, yeah. I don't like, that's like the, 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 the single, right. That's the one you put out on. Like, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to sell this on is this right. like, welcome to the internet. 
maybe more like these are the bow fans, but to like get in everybody else, white yeah. woman's Instagram. Like, I couldn't believe he did all of that by himself. Like, it's crazy how he was able to do that. Yeah. The staging of those photos. And the color balance and the filters and everything, I it just it just nails it. Like, and then unpaid intern, which is a great little vignette, but I was so uncomfortable with the reaction video, reacting to the reaction, reacting to the reaction, react at so at a at at some point there's no content on which he was commenting anymore. It was all on his own commentary. And to be someone who has two podcasts and edits every second of those sound waves, it was so, it was blindingly seen. That's how I felt. It's like, oh, I'm not even producing. It's just me. Just a lot more of me commenting on my shit. That, that one, that, that struck a little too close to home where it was just, it's, it's a great commentary. It's great meta commentary. Then meta, meta, meta commentary. Like, well, I like, yeah, like the point where he says something about, you know, when he's commenting on it and he's like, oh, you know, um, I, you know, I seem really pretentious here. And then he comments about how, oh, yeah, I'm commenting about me being pretentious because I feel like if I point out the fact that you're a douchebag, you don't think I'm a douchebag. Maybe that makes me more of a douchebag, you know, and it just like like that. I feel like that was almost like the point of that to get to the core of that, like, you know, oh, I'm going to I'm going to just say something that, you know, and and almost just like the way the, yeah, the way the internet reacts too. And that, you know, I feel like I know we have those reaction videos and I would and maybe wonder like, are there people doing reaction to the reaction videos now? Is that also what this is about? And it's just like, good Lord. Like there's a whole lot of reacting to other people's reacting. Like it's right. not even, it's not even hyperbole. It's just accurate. And that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then he does, he does this one where it's like, thank you guys for your support of the content that I'm making. Like the ant, the yeah, go with home. The knife, when he's got he the has knife. a fucking knife. Yep. Why does he have the knife? I could like, Tyna hadn't fallen asleep at that point. And I was like, why does he have a knife? He's brandishing this knife. And it, it, it holds so long after he's done talking with it. Mm-hmm. I, and it, well, it's so great. Like kind of the, the faux, faux enthusiasm of those guys. Like, I've seen YouTubers do that a million times. Yeah. Like, Thank you guys so much. These are the things that I'm doing. It, it's yeah. this kind of heightened, but the, the knife was almost like a sort of Damocles. Like this is how close I am to offing myself. Like what the fuck? What were well, you it was, it was weird too. Like I was conditioned to, as he's sitting there still seeing the pop-up windows coming up on the YouTube video to say like, Oh, watch this video next. Click here to watch this. Click here to subscribe. Like I could see that stuff popping Absolutely. up around him. You know, he didn't have to put that there. Like I knew that's what that was, you know? Yeah. He just, he just nails that. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And so sinister. And I think that's the point in the special where I was realizing, Oh, this is going to, there's going to be a turn. Some, like there, something ominous this way comes. And it, it, it definitely did. Um, and then we get Bezos, like those two, if, if he had only put those out, those are like the vine <laughs> quality, like just, just perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's not about anything really. It's just about Bezos and it's just facts. He says like Zuckerberg and Gates can suck it. Like that, that's basically all like it, it, it's so, so crystallized and, and, and refined at that point. Like, you don't need three verses 
for that. It just yeah. so perfect with those. Well, and that's why, like, I, you know, when it when it comes back, when we get the the you know the reprise of it, you know, it like where it's just the chorus, and then when he has like the "you did it," and it's just like like again. And I don't know if this was the intention, but for me, that made me think about where I feel like there've been comments which just like you know oh you won capitalism you know right. like you've made the most money you know you've you know and so that that kind of like what that you just you did it that's what it encapsulated for me was just like yeah like that's why he has a song because he's the winner you know it's like right. you 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 know you you've made more money than anyone and you know you have so much money and it's like good good job you did it you know and like uh and that's yeah and that's i i, I think that's kind of it like you know but it's also like, yeah, like what, what did he really do aside right. from making money? Like there's no story to tell about him. Right. He just has a fuck ton of money, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's not, let me tell you the tale of this guy who did all these heroic things. It's like, oh, you made a, more money than anyone. You did it. That's it. That That's really interesting about like, yeah, there's no hero's journey there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we only know these facts about him. Yeah. Born in 1965. CEO right. entrepreneur born in making more making more money than anybody is your whole personality. <laughs> right. That's one of those things where when the reprise comes back, you don't feel like it's overstated. It's welcome. It's like, oh, here's a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, oh hey, just a reminder, this is the richest man in America in the world. Like just like peppering it in. He has this uh he has this stand-up segment where he's like, can anybody... Oh, God, I love that. Shut the fuck up about anything. It's so perfect. Like, and it, it, it's like, it's capturing that, like, in front of an audience stand-up thing. But it, it's going kind of more the awkward route of, like, there's no joke. It's a little... It starts funny, but by the end, it's like, no, he's right. Like, there, nobody can shut the fuck up about anything. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then when he, he's talking about, he's lying on the floor, he's got his pillow and a blanket, and he's oh, yeah, right, the right, in his face. right before he goes into the sexting song, that he's talking about, like, maybe giving all of our personal information and data to corporations who will manipulate that data to give us things that we think we want and make us work for those things. Maybe that was not a good idea. Like, he, he these these little stand-up moments that he's peppering in are really great. and and don't detract like they're they're great kind of contrast to the sing-songy kind of stuff as biting and critical as the sing-songy that's the thing about the instagram song is a lot of it is kind of biting is like look at how artificial this is and then when the final verse is talking about remembering your mom and trying to like wishing you had them around and trying to memorialize the sweetness and the earnestness of that cuts through kind of the cynicism as well like at the end of that you 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 see this kind of artifice that instagram allows you to put out into the world like this is my identity these are the things but there's also a vulnerability there is a person behind there and and that's part of of the difficulty of it and i i just Mm. to capture that in in this super catchy super well-designed music video type thing it, it just that was really incredible um what i liked about that part too and i'm kind of again just making this connection now is like all through that thing i keep waiting for a punchline right and and i think you know for me what that that what that song does is it shows how when you're so inundated by all of this like just flash and and 
you know, surfacey type stuff, when you actually get to a point of vulnerability and, and realness, I, I was almost kind of like impatient about it. You know, yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, now I know, have to feel things. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like, you know, just shut up and show a picture of a can, a candle, you know, it's like, you know, this isn't why we're here, you know? And it's like, well, fuck, maybe that, that should be why we're here, you know? And, um, you know, and it's like, I feel like, you know, we're being conditioned to just like, look at things on this surface, surfacey kind of cookie cutter level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when there is a moment of, of realness, like no, nobody cares, you know? And I wonder if, I wonder if that was the point, you know, like you're supposed to be disassociated by this point and you're supposed to be bored. And like, if this was Instagram, you, you would have scrolled on by now. You know, right. you wouldn't have listened to the whole thing, you know. I don't know. That's just me. No, that's good. <laughs> I like that a lot. That that's that's a whole nother layer to it that I, I hadn't thought of before. The sexting song <laughs> so Stop great. looking at me, Bo. Stop. Just stop. Like the fucking <laughs> my dick looks like the baby from a racer head was just like <laughs> I I like sexting. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's a fucked up thing. Oh, I know. It, it oh you know. That's an uh, that's a Patreon discussion. Listeners don't get to know about that. I I once sent something that was not meant for Tim to Tim. I rem- and I sent really after I really soon after that I sent him a, a meme a screenshot from Pirates of the Caribbean where Jack Sparrow says that shot was not meant for you. <laughs> um, you just don't have to see me so clearly, Bo. Like it, I love the aesthetic of that video too. Like the, the, the blue light him in just boxers and mm-hmm. how hairy his legs are and like how, how faux sexy, not sexy it is. And it, it's just, it's incredible. It, it's, it's a really, it's such a weird fucking thing. Like I, I'm like love letters. Like there were raunchy erotic letters going back through all of history. Right. Like mm-hmm. th- this is not, it's not new. But it has never been this fast or this high definition. Right. <laughs> it really crystallized that. It was great. Like I, it's so funny. Yeah. Seriously, the one hand on my dick and one hand on my phone. Like, great, fucking incredible. Last kind of dying notes of the song lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my two favorite parts when he says about like, you know, when he says like like ancient Egyptians, like yes. using just the emojis. And then that he has a cross earring that he's wearing through the whole thing. He has two. He oh, has he one in each ear on each side. I was watching this last time. He's got the like the is it George Michael who had like the faith earring. Like oh, the yeah. big dangly. Mm-hmm. Like that's that reference is so great. He's also really good at like just doing things once instead of doing them to death. Mm-hmm. So when it gets to the end where he's got the, that it kind of goes like more of a breakdowny part mm-hmm. as it's kind of dying out and it goes, uh, <laughs> pussy, titties, oh, yeah. balls. <laughs> he only does it once and it hits so perfect. You're kind of anticipating like, Oh, this is going to be something that repeats and he mm-hmm. doesn't. And it's perfect. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so so clever to give leave you wanting more and play with your expectations of like okay that's kind of that groove has been building and then this is the next component and then the next place we're gonna go it's gonna repeat and it didn't that i just i love that moment so much look who's inside again is the one where he was on the floor and he's playing uh trying to be funny while sitting in the room and he, he he fucks it up the first time he's like i took a big fucking breath 
but not big enough apparently. And then afterwards he's got it done and he's like, okay, we'll do one more. Like just the scaffolding is, is great. Like, and then there, there was problematic, which is this eighties exercise video with like a roar in the chorus. And it's great. Just, just outstanding. It, it, like my closet is chock full of things that are vaguely shitty. And all of it was legal. All of it was perfectly lawful, but just not very thoughtful and really mm-hmm. shitty. Just like perfect songwriting. Yeah. And the video, like the fact that he got like sweaty and had like the aesthetic and like his hair's dangling and the beard, like mm-hmm. it, it, it just, he's got the sweatbands and everything like perfect. I think uh, a nice little thing about that too is I think he has the exact same exercise bike that we bought. it's like we're looking at it and it's like you know you look at the handlebars like and we saw like the bottom of it like wait i think that's our same bike (laughs) (laughs) so that was nice be like oh he had the same idea as us like i'm gonna work out during the quarantine even though i can't leave the house yeah still ride the bike yeah and i like the commentary he makes is like he has this the first verse and the second verse is commenting and apologizing for the statements of the first verse and i i think there's a great it's a good commentary without condemning because it's an important conversation to have and what we want as a society from when we cancel somebody how what road back do we want for them how do we we're still figuring that out and that song is a great example of like okay this is acknowledgement this is an apology this is an acknowledgement of things that you might have used as excuses but is that okay what's next do i burn the outfit should i not burn it i liked that i liked that there was it was a uh, a commentary without a thesis in in the terms of like here's the answer right like i liked that a lot and then 30 so that's okay. one of my favorites yeah the countdown setup cuz he's sitting in a dark room mm-hmm. and it's 1158 yeah then 11:59 and he's talking about like i had a goal of finishing this before i was 30 these are the last seconds of the 30 I swear to God, the first time I watched it, was like, did he pause that clock? And I went back the second time I watched it with a stopwatch. It's exactly real time. Oh, wow. That minute is a minute long, and it, but it just feels so long. And it's everything about like how he's feeling, the anticipation of it. What have you accomplished? What are you trying to accomplish before 30? I mean, I just went through that in fucking September of last year. So it, it's like just so eerie and then to go into that song which is a great fucking song and the effect of him using the lighting behind his back and Mm -hmm. and muffling it with his his butt and then putting it out and it's like and then putting it around like circling it around him through the chorus but then he goes into the all my stupid friends are having stupid children okay and he's got (laughs) he clicks the one light on with his foot and it's going this direction he, do, he turns that one off, does the middle one, and then the third one. And then he repeats that chorus, and it sounds like there's background singers, and he clicks all three of them, and right. it's like he's got this Bohemian Rhapsody Supremes disco background, and it's perfect. Yeah, so good. The brilliance of, like, that that might be my favorite moment in the whole special. Because it, it just is like, I, I saw I didn't realize what he was doing with the lighting until that last second. And then all three lights were showing and the shadows behind us like, what a brilliant idea. Who thought of that? What a, like, obviously Bo did like, who thinks of that? What just great. 
great. And I love that court, like, stupid friends are having stupid children. Like, <laughs> I feel like that. Stop, stop, stop doing these things. <laughs> the world is ending. Yeah. Stop making more of you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good example of like, yeah, that, that was like a chorus of one line that worked. Like, yeah, you can repeat that as many times as you want. And it's funny every time. <laughs> right? Like, and it's one of those things like, I used to run for miles, ride my bike. Like, I, all of this stuff of like, I'm feeling this is the heaviest I've ever been. I'm not in the shape I want to be. I'm, I'm more depressed than I've ever been before. Like, and I'm seeing all these milestones of other people doing stuff. And it just, again, I, now he's got binoculars with the seeing me. I don't need him to see me this close. Like, and then, okay. Uh, don't want to know is great. I really like that. Um, kind of after the inter- intermission kind of oh, comes yeah. in. Okay. I like that one. It kind of gets forgotten a bit. I, I've been a, I, I hadn't watched or listened to it in a few days. So some of these are a little less um, uh, fresh. I love the I feel like shit thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've listened to that one in isolation so many times. Like, perfect. I, I don't know if he wrote that as quarantine was starting or in the middle. Because it seems like the way it's set up, and he's got very kind of simple lighting. Like, it's just mm-hmm. kind of rainbowy. And he's just, everything's covered, and he's just sitting at the uh, or standing at his keyboard, and just surrounded by all this stuff. I feel like it's something he's like, I need to take a fucking break and write something about what I'm feeling right now. Feel like shit, and it's great. Woke up at eleven thirty, feeling like a <laughs> bag of shit. All my clothes are dirty, so I'm smelling like a bag of shit. It's maybe a minute forty five. Like I don't even think it's that long, but it's yeah. so perfectly catchy and so so great. I love it so much. Yeah. And then he progresses into the uh, um, all-time low where he's he's feeling depressed. He's talking about, like, his mood being. And then he breaks into song. I got a feeling in my body. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just great juxtaposition. And then there's this sinister thread. He talks about suicide a lot through it. And there's one mm-hmm. point where he's talking about not wanting to kill himself, but it's a projection over a body where he's not speaking. Yeah. And it's like this thought process... And it's really sinister in the way that it, it's playing with the layers and the levels. And it's a really like mental health in, in, in a situation where you can't leave your house because it'll kill you is terrifying. Like it, it, it's a, it, I like that he, he, he didn't shy away from that and he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't champion it as like the thing to do, but it was, there was an understanding and an earnestness about how miserable and isolating and, 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 terrifying the year had been and i mean depending on your situation it was worse you know and i i i thought that was really important um and then welcome to the internet i I, so great i feel like that should be taught in schools like that that is as accurate and i love how it it transitions like the way that song evolves is great because it's carnival barker and it's it's a little bit of everything and the way it kind of unfolds in these different things and then it gets to kind of like a, a, another kind of sincere place where it's like right before 9-11, this was travel blogs and catalogs and a chat room or two. And then mommy let you use your iPad. You were only two and we were waiting for you. And it was always the plan to put the world in your hand. And it did everything we taught it to do. And the fact that that it's sweet and kind of nurturing and then, the sinister fucking carnival barker laugh 
And it's like, we got you. We trapped you. It did everything yeah. we designed it to do. It, it, it's so perfect. Those are the, t- like, if you do white woman's Instagram and welcome to the internet, that's, those are the greatest hits or the, the, the A and B side of the, the single mm-hmm. for the, the, like turning 30 might be up there too, but just, yeah, the, the staging of that, the lighting, how he's dressed, the way to be. And I also like that, like the progress of the beard and the different mm-hmm. stages. I really like, he has kind of a Lenin-y thing going on with the glasses, like yeah. very John Lennon, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, then Bezos. Too, this fucking, which is great. <laughs> what the fuck is he wearing at that point? <laughs> <laughs> trying to think what the funny feeling was here. Oh, this is the oh, one that's kind of more in earnest where he's like kind of the Mother Earth is dying type song, which is Yeah. Cool. Like, yeah. Is that the one where he says something like we've been do- at this for about four thousand years, we've got about seven left or something like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. That one was good. Kind of the I mean, because it, it comes before all eyes on me, I kind of forget it. Because mm. all, all eyes on me is next. We we've kind of talked that one to death. I really liked uh, the goodbye song, which is like his final song. Yeah. And I like the way he cut it with the first take and then mm-hmm. how it grew and it evolved and the, the differences in him. And, and I liked the, I love the way it called back to um, the comedy song about if, if you're in a house that's full of smoke. Right. I really liked how he, he referenced that. And then he also, when I'm completely irrelevant and totally broke, call me up and tell me a joke right like i love that it became comedy is what he would turn to in these these mm-hmm. what he would need and i liked that kind of the bookends with that yeah and then the ending is so great the fact that he the spotlight's on him and he's naked and oh, it, yeah. he's he's mm-hmm. burying his, his soul and he's vulnerable in this way and then he it, it, a true it a reverse truman show ending where he gets out and we see him on the other side of the door mm. and he's surrounded and they're coming to get him and he wants back immediately. And I just from start to finish, man, the, the, it, it's such a perfect thing, perfectly imperfect and such a great mirror to how it's felt, at least for me. Like I, yeah. I it, it, it's odd when these, these people will craft something and it feels like it's, it's only meant for you. <laughs> And then you see other people uh, realize, like, relate to it, and you're like, "Oh, that's it's not just me. Like, it, it, this is a universal feeling that we're having." And to, to capture it so perfectly is a testament. Like, I was talking to Zeke about it, and Zeke was like, "This this is Oscar worthy. Like, they, like this needs to have some kind of recognition because it's it's a masterpiece." Yeah, and I totally agree. Yeah, they were. I I don't think I felt like as seen, but there were definitely moments. Um, and the the ending is one of them, where he leaves the house and he wants to get back in. Like that's yeah. that's still kind of me, where it's just like, okay, yeah, like venturing out, or like when he says about you know going outside the way you know we used to go in a coal mine, where you suit up, you get what you need, yep. and you get out as quick yep. as possible, you know. And it's like that. It's still yeah, the outside is this inhospitable place that you've got to like protect yourself from. You know, and then 
and then get back. It's like, okay, now I'm safe now that I'm indoors, you know? Another one of the the scenes that really hit me is the one where he's going to bed. And I forget if this is near, you know, again, this wasn't one of the songs, but also another scene I really loved was the video game when he's doing the playthrough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I I don't know, I guess I'll cry again, you know? He's he's doing Twitch commentary yeah. so well the, the the voice is so perfect yeah yeah i like how he's like oh i hate when they give you these clues. okay i'll pick up the flashlight oh why is he holding it like a cop you know <laughs> and he's like i guess i'll play the piano oh that made him happy oh okay i guess i'll cry again you know <laughs> like and then day one done <laughs> yeah well and, and that was part of it too like that and then the part when he's going to bed because that was the thing for me a lot of the time is I, I always felt like, you know, even though it's like, okay, I'm just kind of stuck in my apartment for this, you know, who knows how long. It was always like this cycle of days and it's like, it was, it was a race against the, 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 the sun, you know, it's like to, to get stuff done, you know, and there, there are many nights where I just felt like disappointed going to bed like what, you know, what did I do today? What did I get accomplished? And, you know, and even, even though like, with me, it wasn't the the mess of tripods and cables that, that his place was when he would go to bed. Like that was kind of where my brain was at was it was right. just like all these, all these balls in the air for all these different projects I'm trying to work on and, and organize which I should do first based on which one I want to work on and which one I, you know, has a deadline for some reason. And, and then it's just like, Oh, okay. Time for bed. And it's just kind of like this, this mess just sitting in my brain that I've got to try to just pick up on in the next day. You know, somehow the days didn't feel like as long as they should have been. And it wasn't like, and that's the weird thing too, is like I've been in other parts of my life where I've been more depressed and I'll sleep like 10, 12 hours a night, you know, just because I think in my brain, it's like, you know, what are you waking up for? Whereas with this, it's like, I got to get up. I have shit to do, you know? And like, you know, and sometimes it's like, you know, you do the whole thing where you go to bed but you can't turn your brain off. So then you just, you know, get on Facebook and Instagram, or I, I try to be more disciplined, like, okay, read comics at least on your phone, if you're right. going to you know do something, but then you end up staying up even later. So you kind of sleep in a little bit and the day get next day, day gets away from you and it snowballs. And it's just like, you know, somehow not never getting as much accomplished as I wanted to. And that, you know, usually, you, you know, there were times where I used to look forward to going to bed, you know, and, and there are some times, you know, when I sleep the best is when I've accomplished a bunch of stuff. And it's like, oh, I did all this. And now I'm going to bed like I, I, I earned it today. And there were very few days where I felt like I earned sleep, you know, and and it was just kind of like, you know, like with with the game, even more so where the time is just kind of ticking and it's like you're kind of wandering around this room. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. What do I do this? Do I play the piano? Oh, it doesn't matter. The day's over. Okay. And it's like almost like an accomplishment, but, but not really because you didn't accomplish anything, you know? Right. And, and what is the point of this game to just ride out the days until, you know, it, it's later and things can change, you know, like, you know, two, was it 200, you know, day 257 or whatever right. it was. And, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, that was the thing for me is like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to ride this out to come out on the other side. Like I, you know, I remember when I first was, uh, you know, when we first got to work from home in the mailroom, I remember being like, I'm going to write so much music. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely wrote, wrote more than I would have had I still been working full time this whole time. But like, you know, I had it in my head that like, oh, composing is going to become my full time job. I'm going to compose for like eight to 10 hours a day. 
you know, because I'm just at home, I could just get up and go to my computer. Um, but like, you know, and, and to be fair, part of that was I also started tutoring a lot of hours. So that at least took up some time. I was also looking for job, another job throughout this whole thing, but like, you know, but again, but it's like, but, but I'm still home. Like, I, you know, and it's like, what, what did I do today? What did I actually accomplish? What did I create? You know? And then it's like the sun starts setting and you're just like, Oh, that, that's it. You know, time to close the book on this day and start again tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I can, you know, get something done. Um, so those, those little moments, I think really, really hit me, you know, more so when that, that aspect of time was addressed and, and just sort of like things coming to a close, you know, cause with everything else you're seeing, you know, this edited thing that he's put together under over who knows how much time, but then you're seeing this perfected version of it. Whereas like the going to bed, you know, folding out the sofa bed. And that, that I think is especially what did it too, is because you know, I have this whole going to bed routine or, you know, back at my old apartment, when we didn't have an office, my desk was out in the common area and the cats would always go up on my desk and walk all over my desk. So every day before I got any work done, I had to take wipes and wipe off my whole desk. And this isn't even just a coronavirus thing. This is just, I don't want to be working in a cat litter environment, you know, with cat germs, you know, shit and piss and cat litter germs all over my desk. So I would have to clean off my entire desk and that's part of why I was like, oh, I have a laptop because I can put it in my drawer so they're not walking on my actual computer. But I had to like mop down my whole desk. You know, my keyboard was in a box in the closet. If I wanted to work on my keyboard, I'd have to take that out, you know, kind of have everything set up, you know, hope that while I'm doing this process, the cats don't jump up on my desk after I've cleaned it, which had happened a few times. So like, you know, there were so many like cleaning rituals I would have to go through before I could even sit down at my desk and like get stuff done. So it wasn't like, oh, walk out of bed, walk to the computer and be productive, you know, and then the the process I have to go through at night, you know, put my computer away, put every, you know, um, you know, clean myself off to be able to get in the bed, this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, so his process of like unfolding the couch, like, you know, that's something he has to do every day. He has to wake up, he has to fold up the couch, you know, and then get to work. And then it's like, okay, now, oh, okay. Well, if I want to go to bed, you know, kind of like you were saying, you you have to put all these cables away and right. whatever, or you have to, you know, he has to fold his bed out. It was a process. It's not just like, okay, I'm done, collapse on the bed, you know, like, that's this romanticized idea that we have that like, oh, so tired, I just collapse. It's like, no, there's never a just fall asleep thing. It's like, go through this process. And then usually that process wakes you up. So you just end up laying in bed, like, okay, I guess I should sleep now, you know, so all of those elements, those were the ones that were really just like hitting me, you know, I was like, a lot of it, I was like, I was saying, I was like, okay, I can see how Joel felt seen in this. But then little by little was creeping. in. I was like, oh, God, this is me. Oh, you know, it's like I almost felt protected from that. So I'm like, this isn't me. This is Joel. He said so. This is him, not me. And then it's like, oh, fuck, it's me too. God damn it. You know, like. Some, you had reminded me there's another kind of great encapsulation of like what COVID felt like was um, in, on TikTok. There was a thing where it's like somebody was like, does anybody know what we should be doing? <laughs> no. Okay. That 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 part of it is also mm-hmm. wrapped into it, where it's like I also like the fact that like he has that roll away bed, and I feel like part of the ritual of rolling it back during the day is so you don't spend all day in it, mm. right? Because if it's not an option, you are forced to work on right. something else. So I, I I thought that was interesting too. So when he's when he's laying in bed and you get the flash of the open door. 
yeah. like right before he closes it. Like to me, it was almost like, you know, like when you're a kid and you're going to sleep and your closet doors open, you're like, is there a monster in there? Like, like how it was like this, this horror thing, this idea of this. Well, first of all, for me with my OCD, if I was going to sleep and the door was open, like that's my nightmare. But like the fact that that's kind of, kind of what I saw is that, that this, you know, as you're going to sleep, this last little glimpse at this like scary thing, like, Oh, I left the closet door open. Maybe there's a monster in there. Okay. And you kind of fall asleep, you know, and that's your last thing. But how it was like this flash of, I, like, I didn't see it as, as hope. Like, oh, look, here's the door open and there's sun coming from outside. It was just like, oh, that's, that's the thing I'm afraid of. Shut the door, you know, like, lock that out, you know. What I was thinking of was him talking about, I don't think this is ever going to end. Or if it is going to end, I don't know what I'm going to do to occupy my mind when it's done. Yeah. So I won't ever finish it. I'll just continue to work on it. But that, that was also part of it, too, was like clean anything like was great like this is what's giving me through oh it's gone well, what what now what what can i right. like tr- latching onto these things and kind of carrying you through them like that was also really poignant we might have exhausted this topic <laughs> i don't know that i have the heart for an idea that goes nowhere unless you have one as yeah well. no i mean i think yeah i think that a lot went into this so far <laughs> this was there's a lot of build up to this and a lot of yeah like a lot was said i don't think more needs to be said well that's about enough of that and here's joel with the final uh, word bezos we'll see you next time bye